Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet Podcast, the podcast that's a total sausage fest. It's true. Yep. I want fennel. I wish we could get some girls up in this place. Anyway, uh, let me do a quick round of introductions. I am John, the Tommy of the podcast, and we are joined by our resident Zach, Charlie. <laughs> I'm Zach, yes, I can live with that. Our Billy, Dylan. <laughs> I didn't expect anything different. Um, and we have our special guest, um, former leader of the group, uh, J- our Jason, Mike. You jo- gotta cop- stop calling me, like, the former leader of the group. Like, I just co-opted the name. I didn't even know what the hell the site was until, like, the fifth episode. Neither did I! <laughs> it really is, like, the, the catch-all. Like, do you want to publish something? Okay, here's a place you can do it. Do you oh, know you us? a website? Put this <laughs> <shit> up. <laughs> yep. That's how it works. And uh, our notable member from another series, uh, Basil. Who is our, I, I'm going to go ahead and say he's Adam. He's Johnny Young Bosch. Uh, wow. Can Mike Solisod instead? He wasn't on Power Rangers. <laughs> but he sounds vaguely similar. Yeah, but no, Mike, Mike is not cool with that, so, you know. But I don't want the crappy band. Well, yeah. uh, you, you, you can take umbrage with uh, Mr. Bosch at some other point in the future. Um, I, don't, I don't think I've... No, I think I've heard him play, yeah. Like, I don't know how, how bad he is, but Ice Shine is kind of terrible. Well. Uh, I'm just saying. They're, they're definitely not the slants. So I'll, I'll give them that. <laughs> you mean they can get a trademark? Yes, that oh. is precisely what I mean. <laughs> so, if, soon? <laughs> so if Eyeshine was a racial epithet, a racial slur, what, what what race would that be a racial slur for? That's that's what I would Domestic be Domestic violence? A shiner? I don't know. Why you gotta go there, Dylan? Why you gotta go there, Billy? <sighs> anyway, um... It was the worst thing I could uh, think of. Uh, uh, a few things Zordon uh, wants us to go over before we uh, get the podcast proper. Um, a few programming changes you guys might have noticed. We're releasing this week's podcast re- really fucking late to where we can uh, barely call it this week's. It's practically next week's because, you know, it'll be going up on Friday. Um, but that's because we got back from GMX and we were all tired and we have interviews that we haven't released yet because I haven't gotten around to editing, editing them or uploading them. Those will be coming next week along with, at some point, uh, our uh, recap of Anime Blast Chattanooga, which we'll be attending this weekend, um, depending on how quickly you guys hear this. Um, and after that, we'll do another recap and then after that, we'll be back to normal recording with you know, dice piles and things of the week and things of that nature. But all that's on hiatus until we get back to doing just normal stuff. Um, it is uh, a con review podcast, uh, but as a uh, show of goodwill, if you listen to the end, at some point we'll go ahead and, and name drop who our, uh, who our guests from JMX uh, that we recorded were. Um, of course, if you were paying attention on Twitter, you might know already. Um, but, uh, uh, Basil, I think really quick before we started talking GMX, you had something you wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this is not Awesomecast proper, although it probably will get on the Awesomecast. <laughs> May as well. It'll go on the feed somewhere. <laughs> May as well Anyways, be Awesomecast proper. I, did, I got an email 
uh, just the other day from a group called Hannah Dori, sorry, Hannah Doki Kira, a shoujo anthology. And it is a group of six girls who are putting together this Kickstarter uh, for this shoujo inspired art book. And it looks pretty cool. It looks like a neat little Kickstarter. Um, they actually messaged the awesome cast specifically, which is crazy because that means they knew where to find us. I don't know how that works, but. And and it wasn't a complaint, so it didn't go to our email. It went to your I, email. Yeah. So it's, it's amazing. And since I won't have a chance to probably pimp them until, you know, a few weeks later, I figured I probably should do it somewhere soon. And well, this is the biggest podcast I know. So <laughs> that's sad. You need to uh, get out more. This biggest, is biggest the biggest thing. podcast I know that I'm on this week. Shut so, up! That was biggest as in like that. total poundage. What's yeah, going on here? What's the Kickstarter of... called? Give me the Kickstarter. I mean, we've got five people, so it is called Hana Doki Kira. Here, I'll post a message to the. The group. H-A-N-A. Hana Doki Kira. All right. I'm such a Kickstarter whore, man. I realize today I'm up to, I've backed 30 projects now on Kickstarter. So if you have a Kickstarter and you want some some money thrown at it, just, you know, hit Mike up on Twitter. How many of those have <laughs> failed out of curiosity? I've backed so many that I get stuff now. <laughs> and so I feel like I'm doing good because stuff comes in. And what the ratio is, I don't know, but um, the Hana Dori Curry is doing pretty good. They're up to 8,000 of their 95,000 goal. Uh, there's a weird phenomenon on Kickstarter where people will not back you um, until you're successful. Um, <laughs> so it's good to see that they've almost crossed that line, and they'll probably double or more on the way on here. That is that is the American way. Uh, you can't get a job until you have experience. You can't get credit until you have credit. And you can't get backed until you already have the money. Yeah. Pretty and much. For zero fucking risk, because it's Kickstarter. If they don't get funded, you don't get charged. Yeah. So... What's the big fucking deal if you want to go ahead and throw the money at it? That's an excellent point, actually. I don't know why that phenomenon exists, considering because you're not out anything. Because people are fucking fucks. That's why that phenomenon exists. Also, Kickstarter is now more or less pre-order starter. I mean, if we yeah. uh, to be honest, yeah, you know, Kickstarting is now pre-ordering Arter. And you're not going to pre-order that lame thing that no one's into. I might, but yeah, I know Dylan I now, Obama. I now do wonder if Kickstarters are now artificially lowering their actual target goals. So that people are more likely to fund it, so they can actually get their actual targets by way of stretch goals. That's huh. kind of a dangerous strategy, it seems like. I mean, yes, you, you really have to know what you're doing. Well, I, that's never stopped anyone. <laughs> I think if you're Tim Schafer, it's fine anymore. Well, well, yeah, if you're Tim Schafer is is another matter entirely. But there have been some spectacular failures on Kickstarter. Hey, Dylan, like did you Code get your Hero? copy of Code Hero yet? You know, I haven't even paid attention to that at all. <laughs> I think I, I put in a dollar so I could get the beta, so I've gotten my money's worth. You know how, much, how much did you put in? Uh, fuck that one. Uh, let's talk about the, <laughs> the $1,000 3D printer, the oh. the hot mess of plastic in my garage. Oh. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's you would a, like to. You drink to forget that. 
Uh, but at least I got parts of a non-working printer. <laughs> There's a guy in Canada who bought three on Kickstarter and hasn't even seen a screw. Oh. He hasn't even had a screw to get screwed with. Um, but then again, he's in Canada, so he has health care, so fuck him. Agreed. <laughs> he's just paying into the system now. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, really quickly, um, because mainly because we have Mike on the podcast, I wanted to preface our GMX coverage with a few things. Um, we know a lot of the people that run GMX, and interest of full disclosure, we're friends with a lot of the people that run GMX. Um, we will be ostensibly giving some of the good, bad, and the ugly that happened from GMX, and it's not to say that we are ungrateful, because they have been very, very good to us in terms of coverage, um, you know, on social media and things like that, of the things that we've done. They've worked with us on getting interviews, have been great, but that doesn't mean that things that, you know, that, that everything went smoothly for everybody all the time, and, you know, we're not calling any one person out in particular we're not saying that we had a horrible experience or anything like that but um see if if we were to do this in job speak it would be opportunities for growth you know we could we could you know do the whole compliment sandwich and all that bullshit but uh you know just <laughs> just take everything with a grain of salt um that should I, be required from here on out all your comments on gmx must be in a compliment sandwich <laughs> <laughs> i like how you did this but you could improve here. But I also liked what you did yeah. with this. Um. Mike <laughs> needs to buy a lot of bread. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I think all, record, all of this is just prefacing that Mike is going to tear somebody a new one. Well, and okay, we don't be held responsible. Well, yeah, they, they made the zero lines there. What was that? Was Mike's views are not the views of Chainsaw Buffet or anyone else? We don't know this fucking guy. How did he get on here? Fuck this um, guy. <laughs> but, but for the record, I've never been to a con I have actually liked. So just throwing that out there. And I don't go to GMX for me. I go because I have a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old daughter. That you uh, ignored that during the entire stuff, convention. I, I, they're not ready for the Dragon Cons yet. Um, I'm not ready for them to go to the Dragon Cons. Maybe that's the way <laughs> I should phrase that. Um you know, where there's real room parties, not policed and, and um, fuck, I don't know what goes on at the room parties at GMX, but it looks pretty lame. Um, so I go for them. So that's, that's, there's a lot good going on there. They enjoy it. They love the analog uh, gaming room. Uh, speaking of which, I was talking with the guy who ran that, and they found out they were running it like two weeks before the con. Dang. Wow. So really, hats off to them for fucking pulling off a really great job um, with what they had. Um, that's why there was a lot of stuff scheduled in the room for presentations, because there might not have been, I guess, an analog gaming room. Um, the so, But from what I heard from him, some of the inside baseball was, there's a bit of a change of management happening, so I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, yeah, I've heard that there's some change management going on for both uh, MTech and GMX, including some people that we know. So I'm optimistic as well, um, but we're not behind the scenes. Although we know a lot of these people, we don't have any inside knowledge as far as you know the planning and things like that. We don't go to any of the meetings. We don't ask a lot of questions because we're just there to cover the event and you know try and have a good time and that sort of thing. But you know. Uh, they, they can take all that under advisement and look at what they could have done differently versus, you know, what was outside of their control. And maybe some of this stuff will, will create a better product for everybody. But, uh, 
who who wants to to tee things off with some GMX compliment sandwiches and whatnot <laughs> and some well, ass rippings? Well, I can't speak until we get to Sunday, <laughs> <laughs> and just then for a couple of hours. I mean, God bless you for doing it, but I don't know why you did it. <laughs> because somebody, somebody, Charlie, I did not. Nico <laughs> and John were like, "You have to come to GMX. You have to. You just have to. You have to." Well, I think I have work. I don't care. You have to. And so I did. And so I can't wait to see everybody at my Hamicon Minicon this Saturday. In Huntsville, Alabama. That's what I thought. I, I, I can't wait for you to see everyone there, too. <laughs> wow. Oh. Here, t- taste this, John. Taste this compliment sandwich. Does this taste funny to you? It tastes funny to me. A little. There's no compliment. It's missing the compliment. <laughs> it's just a bunch of crap. <laughs> Shit sandwich. That's a chainsaw guarantee. Oh. <laughs> well now that should be our new intro just basically going, that's a chainsaw thing. oh shit um so Friday um Dylan um I'm trying to think the only things I ended up going to were um the two improv panels, or two of the oh, improv yeah. panels. Uh, the Improvaganza. Improvaganza with Amber Nash and Lucky Yates, and Improv Comedy Live. Um, um, one of those was epic, and the other one was uh, awesome and fantastic. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll, I'll let you <laughs> take that one. <laughs> so, so, go on. Go ahead. Um, I'll let Charlie hit on the Amber Nash and Lucky Yates one, which is just generally fucking funny because they're very funny people. Um, and they do that a lot. I mean, I know that Lucky Yates is part of, is it Dad's Garage or something like that? They're part of a group, uh, or at least he's part of an improv, a permanent improv group in Atlanta. So so they do that a lot. And, and they do have a really good... Uh, back and forth they i mean it's they work well together and they're really good at what they do um the the one thing i'll say about the two together is that they really should have been reversed it kind of felt like one should be opening for the other but the propaganda was first um it it was a difficult act to follow for anybody much less a more regional group um as opposed to you know a couple of uh, professional actors with, who are semi-known for roles on shows like Archer and Goodies and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. and we'll have and they have a lot of time working with each other too. I mean, yes. that yeah. was very clear because when they were doing their improv, when Amber and Lucky were up to doing their improv, they were playing another game with them between themselves of trying to fuck each other over. I mean, yes. they they did some things in that improv that if you were in a, a new group, you'd be like, "Why you got to be an ass and just set me up for nothing?" You know. Whereas they were like, I'm going to see if you can get out of this. You're the mayor and the girl. Go for it. That's yeah. all you now. Yeah. And, and they were very good at it. Yeah. And they were very good at it. Yeah, it was great. That's one of, that's actually what I think one of the con highlights, I think, was um, them there in their improv. Uh, I had no interest in going to them talking about Archer because, you know, 
I, I already heard the questions. How do you get into uh, voice acting? Can you say this line from this episode? What was going through your mind at this exact moment in time when I will you say, were probably half drunk? If you're gonna do a a voice actor Q and A panel, the best time just to do don't. it is if you're gonna do the, one, just don't. No, no, no. The best way to do it is directly in the middle of an improv act, as they did. That Fair that enough. was that was pretty tremendous. Um, there's there's one game where you could just stop them at any time and ask them questions either in or out of character. Char- Charlie did ask the best question. Well, I appreciate that. I I made I don't even know why it occurred to me, but I was like, it's Lucky Yates. I'm gonna I, if I want to ask about anything, it's gonna be about Good Eats. So I stopped them and and asked what uh, what does Alton Brown smell like? That was. And- that definitely did stop them. Like, that was a good question. It stopped them because it was a good question, not stopped them because it was a terrible question, which... Yeah, well, what was best is it stopped them because they had to think about the answer because they had not been that, asked that Correct. question before. I, I have no prepared answer for this. Wait a second. Yeah, unlike every other fucking question that people think they are being original or improving themselves and improving their chance to become was, uh, voice was... actors... Which Rob's, you are not. Uh, not not this not Rob Schwab. Um, Rob Paulson. Paulson. Rob Paulson. Was he on? Was he a Friday or was he a? Um, I, I, I went into his Q and A session um, because the con was really light attendance this year. I think that was Friday. Flash. Was that Friday? Was that on you Friday? You texted me about a question and I was like, do "Okay, yes, yes, that's what I was going to." I didn't want to do it out of order though. I was going to wait till Saturday. Um, but yeah, there was that guy got in line and came up and it's like, what's your question? And he's like, do you remember when you were Snow, what the hell is his name? Snow Job? Snow Job. On, yeah, on G.I. Joe and you and Iceberg were doing this thing and he fell down here and you sounded really dramatic and it was a really intense scene and all that. And it sounded like, and did you throw your voice out on that scene? Because it was so intense and passionate. And Rob just looked at him, didn't miss a beat and goes, that is an excellent question. But it was 30 years ago. I have no idea. And they just went to the next guy in line. Well, that's what Chris Pope does, right? Chris Pope's like, all right, we're going to keep this moving. Because um, I think at one point I called this Chris Pope Con. Or who could Chris Pope come to the con con? Uh, 2013. He did better in 2012. I'll say that. Anyway. anyway. Um, <laughs> nobody's willing to comment on there. I just threw that I, one out no there. No one wants to touch no, that. Well, no here, one's going to touch that. Here's the like thing. the outsider. Fuck this guy. We don't know him. Mike who? Mm-hmm. Well, this is why uh, you know I don't typically go to the Dragon Con because it's it's a multi fandom convention. They're trying to cover such a broad swath, and my tastes are so narrow that it's usually not a terrific fit. Um, now we have gotten some excellent guests and some excellent interviews through GMX and, oh, yeah. and the media people, you know, Rusty and Nico and all those guys, um, which are appreciative for. But that is not to say that every single guest that is at JMX is someone that I am intensely a fan of and, you know, excited about. Whereas, you know, at MTAC, you know, I probably, I've probably at least heard of and are familiar with the work of every guest. Uh, and, you know, most of them I'm probably, you know, a big fan of. Well, that is by definition for something that's multi-genre. Yes. going to be into everything. Yeah. So, so saying, you know, maybe they did a better job with guests last year, that could be true for you, that could be true for me, that's not necessarily true for everybody, 
Um, well, but, there so, were lines for panels last year, and there wasn't a line for anything this year. I'm not. So that, I, I can't. I can't call that a complaint. <laughs> so um, I do have a question. Yes. Who's Hodor? Um, Hodor a, is apparently a uh, mentally retard. ill. Yeah, he's apparently a retard from Game of Thrones. Yep. Um, okay. I I didn't see. I I will be honest. Uh, whereas Charlie has read the books, um, I've seen about thirty seconds of Game of Thrones long enough to know that. Oh, hey, this looks kind of cool. I should probably watch this. What? It's on HBO. Well, okay. Um, so. I watched the online video of all the sex scenes. <laughs> awesome. A three-minute video of all the sex scenes back-to-back. Um, huh. It's definitely HBO material. It is definitely HBO material. Yeah, like I said, that's that's the reason I have not watched it. Well, I, I should watch sex, it because of violence, that. violence, sex. Okay, I'm 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 good. I'm I'm, but, I'm great with all these things. But yeah, I, we're talking I, medieval doggy style scenes here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, but as I've said in the past, that is because I've not I've seen maybe one episode of the show. Uh, for whatever reason, I've just not had the time to to go and watch it. Is that that is very true to the books. It's they are they are definitely not like I don't think playing it up, you know, for HBO. I and and in some cases I, I would not be surprised if they're toning it down. Um again, you know, so my gone Forgotten Realms uh, HBO show. If, if we could do that, that'd be great. Uh going back but, to to the uh, to the improv thing, I just kinda did want to pass along the uh, the little joke about everything being awesome and fantastic. I thought that the the local group was okay like you know they some games were stronger than others and a lot of it depended on what the crowd was giving them which honestly wasn't terrific um i think most of my enjoyment came from you know making snide remarks to charlie during uh the proceedings <laughs> there, there were some really dark games but as a whole it seemed like more upbeat and they had a couple musical games compared to like you know, uh, laugh out loud, or even uh, the improvaganza that we usually see at cons. Well, I, if I were to give them a piece of constructive criticism in this compliment sandwich, it's that <laughs> um, every game is not awesome or fantastic. This is true. Uh, I understand. I do this. I listen to it, and it bothers me because I do it. And I'm like, no, you, you need to, to fix these problems. But still, be mindful of the fact that, you know, maybe expand your lexicon a little bit. Awesome, awesome and fantastic and epic. Sometimes you just have a game. And be mm-hmm. honest with with your audience. You know, <laughs> may, maybe they'll make the game better if they know that the, the premise itself is kind of shitty. Is, is this like where you insert the Louis C.K. line about, like, you're calling... How can you use the word awesome? Like, you know, you just use that on a burrito or something like <laughs> that. You know, how are you going to describe, like, the birth of your first child? I, I haven't heard any Louis C.K. at all, so. Oh, uh, you're missing out. But anyway. I wouldn't say I'm missing out. It's So I didn't um, I didn't hang out. The, sec- the game I was playing for the second panel was uh, taking Drunk Sicily back up to the room. Uh, That's a her fun in. game. Yeah, well, my concern wasn't so much for, like, her well-being or anything. It's that she's getting drunk from the hotel bar, and that shit's fucking expensive, you know? Yeah. So I'm just, 
I'm just watching dollar signs. Like we, we can't afford this shit, you know. Um, <laughs> go go to the Seven Eleven get some PBR, right? If that's what you want to do, but like don't order Long Island iced teas from the bar. Um, <laughs> so I went around with that, but so. So we got in fairly early, and I think I played a couple of Hearthstone matches and then, like, hit the lights out. And because the con is all inside that hotel, uh, my daughters have their cell phones, and they just, you know, call and check in, like, where they're going and everything like that. And I think Hannah came up to the room uh, about 11 o'clock, I think, maybe 11.30. Uh, at, at some point, I nod off. And then wake up, and it's 1.30 a.m., Um and as I'm putting back up the laptop and everything, I realized my other daughter, my 13-year-old, is not back in the room. Nope. And <laughs> like I had this, I had this. The, the actual thoughts were in my head of like, okay, I really probably should do something, <laughs> but I'm I'm like in night clothes, and, and granted it's a con, so it's a very like subjective amount of effort I had to put in to be presentable to walk down. Uh, but I would have to put, you know, something else on, um, and that's effort. And it's one thirty, and I'm just dead tired. And you can uh, always make more kids. But it is my 13-year-old daughter, <laughs> and I'm a parent. Uh, I'm probably responsible in some legal fashion as well. I haven't looked that up, but um, so, yeah, so I text her. You know, I'm like, just l let me text her. Like, Rachel, where are you at? And I text, and, you know, like, Five, ten minutes, what feels like forever goes by, because I'm like, just text back and tell me um, I'm at this thing and I'm getting ready to come up to the room as soon as it's over, because the panels end at like 2 a.m. And nothing comes back. So finally, now I'm like, all right, what, what, what could be going on? Like, is she on the fourth floor? You know, although I don't see any way that Rachel could pass for 21, but it is a con, right? And, um, I mean, we know GMX, right? Like, they can barely run the con itself. To, to think that they're actually policing the parties, right? That's giving them a lot in that compliment sandwich. That's a compliment hoagie. Um, so, wow. I call her, but at this point, like, I'm thinking, like, okay, well, what possible are you doing at 2 a.m.? Because all the panels are 21 and up at this point. Um, so, shouldn't be in any of those or anything like that. And when I call and she answers, you know, she's like, hey, like, what are you doing? And because uh, I didn't give a curfew, like they're allowed, we're in the hotel the whole weekend, so there's no like she was out too late or broke any kind of curfew or rules. Um, it's it's vacation and it's fine, right? So what what are you doing? But at this point, I've actually kicked into like a new dad territory mode. I didn't know I had. It just kicked in like instinct. I'm not listening to her response. <laughs> I'm listening to background noise. I'm listening for music thumping, people drinking, anything going on to see if she's going to lie to me now on the phone. Of course, what she said to me on the phone was, well, these guys that came over about an hour ago and they wanted to play Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition and you talk about it, so I wanted to play it, so that's what we're playing. And I hear people in the back arguing rules and somebody rolling dice. And I'm like, all right, good. And then, so she eventually got back at like 4.30 a.m. Because I don't know if you've played second edition, but that shit's not, not quick. Um, yeah, so we, we, we had to kick her out of bed. Like, you know, like, hey, it is noon now. You know, you, you could get up now um, and, and get going. But that's where Friday night ended for us. <laughs> well, now.
Um, terrific that's, parenting, by the way. I, I'm I'm sure that's actually like a proud moment. Like, yeah, she was playing D and D till four. I got like three yes. tweets, I think, including you, John, of like, way to go, that's awesome. Like, achievement unlock for parenting. You're the best dad in the world. That's exactly the right call. The internet has affirmed me. Um, so <laughs> when child not. services. When child services hear this podcast and come, I will point them at the tweets, and they will have to leave. And, and I would say, oh, I would say maybe, maybe a maximum of five percent of that was sincerity. <laughs> like, oh, well, clearly this does this does qualify you as father of the year. You know, three people on the internet said it, so carry on. I spent more time with your daughter than you have tonight. I'm practically a stranger to her. It's fine. It's perfectly it fine. Funny. We were. We were playing an analog gaming, and she came down, and I'm like, well, are Mike and Cicely coming down? And she's like, Cicely's up working on costumes or something, and Dad's playing that computer CCG thing. Hearthstone, like, again. Yeah, and she's like, I, I don't I don't really get that. Um, Aw, your daughter's cooler than you. Well, it's you true. know what? So she was in the, the analog room, right? And and the guy that runs it, I wish I knew his name. I, I talked to him quite a bit, and I don't remember his name, and I apologize for that because he did an excellent job. Hannah was down there. I think I came down uh, Saturday night at like 1, 2 a.m. I was still, there was like a 1 a.m. panel I went to, um, and then I was kind of seeing where they were at. Rachel, of course, she's wiped out, so she's back in bed by like 10. Um, Hannah's still up, and she was going to go back into the... Um, digital gaming room because she's into fighting games all right awesome so she told the guy who was running the the board game like she was just i was in here looking to see if my sister had come back down or not but i'm going back into the digital gaming room because i like fighting games and these games are all too slow and he went well have you played brawl and have you guys played brawl i have not no so this is a, a card game. It's not collectible, it's, uh, and it's not even deck building. You just buy the decks, and the decks are character. Um, you play it real time, okay? So you have, uh, you play, at the beginning you have two cards up, one from each person. Uh, that is your hero card, your character card. And then you basically, the basic card you have are these hits. So then you just start slapping down hit cards. The more hits that you do on the character, the more points you have at the end. The goal being to be the person that has, um, that wins the most fights. So each character is a fight. Uh, there can be a third one up, but there can't be four. But then you get these cards that reverse the score or let you just wipe the whole thing off the screen or let you, you know, change the color or play a block or something like that. Um, and you can discard to your discard pile. Um, and you can play back from your discard pile in the order that you played it. But it's played in real time. You don't take turns or, or or pause for anything. It's as fast as you can play it. I mean, you can get down to the point where you know what the cards are in that other person's hand, and you're just holding yours above the deck because as soon as they play it, you're going to fuck them, and they know it too. And they get, There's not shit they can do about it because you can't uh, get in that. So um, we played several hands of that. That's actually quite good. I went online, and I've ordered it for her for Christmas. Um, it's called Brawl. And um, I ordered it from um, those guys that do Pathfinder. Um, Paizo Publishing? Paizo, yeah. If you go on their site, um, the the company that publishes Brawl just changed. So the new company is issuing new decks with new artwork. Exact same game, but Paizo is doing the clearance on all the um, 
old artwork decks. So you can go in there and pick up each deck for like two ninety nine. Um, and I think there's like six or seven total uh, to grab if you want to grab them all. Um, we'll have to play it sometime. It's a really interesting take on what a card game can be. And I just love the guy that was running the analog board gaming room for like, oh, you think these games can't be fast? Well, bam, here's the perfect one for you. And it's like, haha, I got you. You're mine, you know? Um, <laughs> that's that's what you need out of the guy running that room, right? You're like, oh, I, I kind of like this. And like, All right, we well, want to play that. True. In... Uh... As a reward to everyone who just survived our analog gaming discussion, um, before we went to the analog gaming room, we did an interview with Robert Schwalb, who is author of uh, several Dungeons and Dragons and other gaming books. Funniest fucking dude. He is the best. Charlie, yeah. you, you missed out on that one. I know. I, I really do regret that I couldn't get there any earlier because... Um, after going to his game design 101, I was like, "Damn it, this this guy is way too entertaining." That'll be the first one we end up releasing next week. Uh, I I encourage everyone to check the hell out of it because I hope he's so I did good. Not, I hope I did not overstep my bounds, uh, but I went to his final Q and A on Sunday, yeah. which was How like was four that? people showed up. Four people I, showed up. I was so he, too, but I was really hungry, so we went for dinner instead. And. And, you know, he was really like, come on, you, people got to have questions, right? But he was good at, like, keeping it going, even though it's like, there's only four of us here. And, you know, I mean, I got a couple questions, too, but, like, you got to really stretch for content. But I did tell him, on behalf of me and the guys from Chainsaw Buffet... Oh, shit. We are formally <laughs> requesting that you make Kill Shit Do Shit. Please. Awesome. This yeah, and then um, I told him basically this would be the dive kick of RPGs, at which point he hadn't heard of dive kick, so I kind of explained it to him, and he's like, oh, I get that. I get that. And I was like, this is what we need. This is the dive kick of RPGs. I, re I, would, I would buy that game in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. He starts I'm going to kill that, shit harder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, I, oh, I want that game so bad. It's going to be so good. Um, so, what do you guys want to talk about in uh, regards to Saturday? Because I think the first thing I went to was Celebrity D&D. That okay. was the first thing I went to as well. Okay. Well, since we're already talking about Robert Schaub, he did run the Celebrity D&D panel. Um, and it he had... did a fantastic job herding cats. That's all I'm going to say. It is, it is a challenge because a lot of these people have never played. And, you know, it's not like people they, have never played D&D and don't want to play, but... Yeah, like, there, there might have been three people on, like, an eight-person panel that had ever played before. And I think yeah. at least one of them probably had just, you know, done this the year before, and that was their experience with it. Um, but, God, some of them, like, Lucky Yates and Amber Nash again were, were on this uh, What was party. Lucky Yates' character name? Oh, I don't even know. Blood Jerk or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah Something Blood it. Jerk. It was... He was uh, he was so in character. He was the most in character. <laughs> Unfortunately, was, it was that he, character. Yeah, he was an asshole, which is great. He he had sex with a tree. That's that's what you need to know about <laughs> that. I think there were lots of mystery buttholes. <laughs> there were, and they were there from the start, which is what's kind of creepy. But um, I really like Robert Schwab does a really good job of reacting to it because you know he works on 
he's worked on third edition, fourth edition. He, he's apparently done a lot of work on the you know the upcoming edition. Oh, really? And yes. Yet he's still not like he's clearly not running it. He's not rules lawyering. He's he's running like the lightest game of D and D you can run, and still even call it D and D. We talked about that uh, game in the Q and A at the end, and his preference is wildly unscripted. Um, if it's up to him, he he's and he's DMing. He's only writing the next encounter the week before. Well, not that just way, unscripted. There's the ultimate ultimate ability for the players to take the direction. He but has a vague idea, but. He, he, which is, which is ironic, right? It's kind of interesting because he's the guy writing all the books that people follow as script. But not just that, like, it's very rules light. Like, he's not using miniatures. He's, you know. Um, like, a great example is one of the players, um, had like four javelins, which ostensibly <laughs> were for throwing. Okay. <laughs> yes. But he's like, okay, I have four javelins. Uh, can I use them all at once and just run at the guy? And his response was, that seems like a perfectly reasonable thing to do. <laughs> and you saw him roll the damage die, but the damage die was just, you know, like, I I'm pretty sure it was like a D6, it was whatever one javelin would do. But, you know, he, he just let him, you know, run with that, you know, as, <laughs> as, as, as a gag, as a thing to do. He wasn't like, no, you can't do that. You know, he, he, he said, that's perfectly reasonable. That's there wasn't fine. like, okay, well, you'll get this bonus to this and that yeah, bonus. Yeah, know, he, just he like, just rolled with what sure was out there. It's like, sure, why not? You know, you did this much damage to this creature. It was, it was terrific. It, oh, yeah. It was a a clinic of nuanced DMing. Hmm. Yes. Actually, yeah. Because I I have played in Dungeons and Dragons games with people that have played the game before, and it was no better than that. Like like <laughs> that experience true. did not help. Uh, that's, these, that's actually, you know, it, it these almost people. hurts because the people there weren't weren't mentally in their minds going, "Well, these are what skills I have. This is what I can roll. This is what I can do." It was just like. Nah, man, I, I want to do this crazy... Like, this thing popped into my mind. Can I do it? Including, that, that tell was me a how. Question, that question His answer came was up. always, roll a d20. That that question came up... That was like the, the predominant question was, can I... whatever. And that just reminds me of a lot of early games of D&D. So... It was awesome. My question is, did you come away with ideas for future campaigns yourselves um yes one that uh, buttholes and dragons is is, <laughs> ah. is what i'm going to run next like, you see a butthole you you put something inside of it either yourself a weapon you know <laughs> that's there were, i don't know there were lots of mystery anuses mm -hmm. i like what charlie said about it being like an early game of like i remember what i enjoyed about it and it it's kind of like Whenever, if when I run another game, I kind of want to try stripping it down that much so that, yeah. you know, you're getting to the meat of it and the the system, whatever system I use, is transparent. Well, mm -hmm. not not just that, but, you know, sort of giving the players that, that freedom to explore and just kind of do what, you know, be the character they want to be without having to... Um, you know, try and and regulate every single action and whim. 
Yeah. Mm. I, I think a lot of that does come out of if you play with a killer DM or or even a min max or something like that, the tendency is like enforce the rules so that they don't get out of line. And you kind of have to like back off of that at some point. And that's what he did. Like he did not care if anyone got out of line. Uh, so what else did everybody do? Because uh, I think um, the next thing I had after that was game design 101. Yeah, me too. Okay. That's probably one as well. Well, I didn't go to that, so tell me a little bit about. It was good. It was it was the uh, source of kill stuff and do stuff. Yeah, Charlie suggested that we shoot with guns. Okay, now in my defense, <laughs> in my defense. I was completely blindsided with the person when he when when Robert Schwab asked, "Okay, what is our game about?" Pointed to somebody, and it was about guns. I was like, well, okay. "Really? Yeah. <laughs> where, are you, where are you going with this?" And then he looks at me, and goes, "Okay, what are we doing with the guns?" I'm like, um, and at that point, my, my my brain my brain checked out, and I don't know where it went. I hope it had a good time. It hasn't told me. But my response was shooting them. I, I think I would have maybe just been like trying to restrict my rage from being like, no, we're not going to do a game about fucking guns, you know, because that's never been fucking done before. Well, yeah, that was see, my that was my immediate like. You point this guy and he goes guns, and I'm like, fuck gu- a game. Okay, a game about guns. That's 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 whatever. Fuck it. Get get the fuck out of this hold session. On, no. Right you, now, you don't need to be in game hotel, design. You fucking idiot, and we're starting all over. <laughs> God, what are we making a game about? Go, go ahead and start waiting in line for, uh, you know, Call of Duty Ghosts. I think you can go ahead and get an early copy if you leave right now. Go to the Grand Old Opry where your fucking ass belongs and get the hell out of here. The point of that exercise, <laughs> it didn't really matter what he, ch- he chose. The point of that exercise was walking through how do you start with just the barest inkling of a theme and build mechanics onto it, make the decisions, yeah. go down the decision tree so that you can then, you know, jump back. I wrote say, well, all the things that he did down uh, because I realized after we got into it, he had a guided purpose and, and the, the, the gun suggestion, it could not be fucked up. Like he basically was walking you through a thought process to follow exactly on, on building a good, uh, building a good uh, tabletop RPG game. Uh, and playing out with it, I'm like, all right, I, I see what you did there because it was never really in the hands of the audience. You masterful bastard, you. Well, but yeah. it also does show the audience that like you don't have to come up with this fully formed thing. Yeah. You you isolate mechanics, you build them up. Well, and I know, really like um, piece at a time. And sort of, and one of the sort of points that he started with, and which is always good to hear. I mean, it makes sense. Once you hear it, but if you never thought of it, then it's it just sounds like genius. Which is when you're designing a game, you start off with the question of what kind of play experience do I want to have? Like you don't start with mechanics, you don't start with any of this other stuff. You start with what am I wanting to get out of it, and then you're engineering it from there. So, um, if anybody's curious, anybody's listening. Um... The, the brief flow, as, as I noted it down, I kind of tried to step back and figure out what he was doing there. Uh, but the first thing was kind of to start with, like, your central, like, premise. This is where the guy said guns, but 
It's like, I want to make a mech game. I want to make a uh, uh, Western. I want to make, you know, fantasy. I want to, whatever. You just, all right, that's, that's what you got. And then the next thing he went into is, what's the conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what's going on in this world? What is the conflict? Um, and for us, it happened to be aliens stealing landmass, landmarks. Um, so basically, I think he said, you know, who's the bad guy? And what are they doing that's bad or something like that? But basically mm-hmm. lying out your conflict, your central, your world conflict, not the individual missions or, or scenarios. Uh, and then from that, he went into, okay, character types. Like now we kind of have the antagonist. Who's fighting these guys? Who are we playing that are fighting the aliens? Um, which whatever ideas thrown out got there. Um, and then after that started fleshing out, now that you kind of have all that set, then you can start going there and start fleshing out a little bit of the background of the world. And, you know, the way he did it, by the time you get down to fleshing out the background of your world, it's almost writing itself now at this point. You almost kind of, like, don't need guidance further beyond that because you're so far down the path now, you kind of have the direction. So if anybody's interested, that's kind of the notes I took to redo that process. It's Yeah, that's pretty much it. And it, he's really good at laying that stuff out. So, I'm going to go ahead and call this one. Uh, you guys definitely got the uh, better end of the panel choice at that particular point in time, because yeah, uh, me and Liz her. went to uh, putting your geek to work resume writing for geeks. Now, I want to go ahead and read the description, because... Uh, this is this is important into my. Uh, Who ran that, by the way? I I'm not sure of her name, but I do know that she's uh, a very professional woman who knows a lot about writing resumes and has done so um, professionally, I, I believe, and has worked for companies and HR and knows what people are looking for. So uh, that that will be the the first part of the compliment sandwich. But allow me to read the description. This discussion will focus on translating your geeky pursuits into real world. Uh, work experience. Total bullshit. <laughs> Complete I, and utter bullshit. There's this, a panel on Sunday that I went to that had about the same problem, but I'll get into that later. And, and listen, uh, you know, don't sell this as resume writing to turn skills like, you know, I, podcasting has given me some marketable skills like being able to do, you know, video and audio editing. But um, that has not led to gainful employment for me uh, in in any of those fields, and there's probably lots of good reasons why. Um, but I can't. I sort of came in with that perspective of, oh well, maybe this resume will sort of help me get some ideas of how I can maybe word that experience in a way that you mm. know might make things look a little more attractive. No bullshit. This was just a basic. Um, you should have had this in college or high school. How to write a resume, but you can't because you're a stupid fucking fuck. How long did um, you stay panel. in the panel? I stayed for about half an hour. Okay. Um, until I... I just started not feeling very well. And I don't know if it was from the panel itself or that the room was warm or that I just hadn't been sleeping properly and needed to go take a nap. It could be any combination of those things. So. Is it? It, it almost sounds like the idea is good. Like you have people who have gotten jobs or who have, who've built themselves up in, you know, whatever pursuit they geeky pursuit, you know, going in and saying, this is not the rule, but this is how we did it. You know, that, you know, 
real life experience stuff. And but, yeah, but those people built their own. Like if you're building your own little media stream site or you know empire or YouTube channel, yeah. you don't need a fucking resume for that, right? You just go build it. No, no, but I I don't mean necessarily that. Like people who have applied it to not necessarily resumes for jobs, but you know freelancing, they put it. It's it's gone into some sort of professional sphere, but they started out you know like. When they wrote it, it came out as just intro to resumes because they tried to not make it a life experience panel and instead make it, here are the five rules for... Because I took John's, I almost went to this panel as well, and I, I had John's opinion of it. I thought, oh, this would be good. Like, I do podcasting, I do video editing, I do some websites for fan shit and stuff like that. Um, yeah, what's some good ways to fluff that up? Because, you know, I think... Some, those shows, some, you know, you could show on a resume, I think, some good points if you worded it right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and I thought that's what that was going to be, and I'm really glad now I didn't go to it. Yeah, you should be, because it was a complete and utter waste of time. Like I said, the woman was, was very qualified to give you tips on writing a, a resume, but if, you know, it, it's really an issue of not getting what was being promised. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe yeah. maybe somebody can, can explain to me how I'm misconstruing that description into thinking that maybe this will be a way that I can take some of these and get, you know, a decent job out of it that I don't, you know, want to kill myself every day going to. Um, well, like I said, I'm not I'm not saying you misconstrued it. I'm saying maybe they their initial vision just didn't pan out. Or maybe it's someone it, who if if you sent the description before you had a solid idea of what you were going to be talking about because it wasn't like you know she oh, had that. That she had a power I've ever spoken on she had a PowerPoint <laughs> you know did it have any uh, professional logos on it like was it sponsored by not that I recall of course company or something. but if if it was I would have just paid not the slightest bit of fucking attention because uh, when you say presented by my brain just starts you know, my playing playing Muzak in the background. My <laughs> my question is, was the title of the panel the title of the PowerPoint as well? Uh, I I I don't remember paying that much attention to it. The reason um, the reason why I ask is that I've I've gone through this over the years now of getting panel submissions where they'll give me a name. In a general idea, but that what they're kind of thinking the panel's going to be about, but no actual description. Well, here's the mm. here's the thing: uh, you thinking that Cody Warhammer's panel was Cody's panel about <laughs> Warhammer? That was just a comedy of errors. That's not the one I was even thinking about at the time. That's that's, that's just one of them. Shoutouts to Cody. I have had several, and that was one of the better ones. That was so good because you were explaining that, like after we had arrived at the convention, it's like, yeah, yeah, I don't know what this was about. And I'm like, no, no, Basil. His name is Cody Warhammer. <laughs> like that's that's his stage name from the Manpower, and he's he's definitely not doing a panel on Warhammer. <laughs> it was so good. It, it wouldn't have been nearly as funny if we didn't know Cody personally. Oh yeah. Um. Oh, God. 
Um, okay, well, for, for that nugget, and since we talked about resume writing for five minutes, um, I will go ahead and, and drop the other interview that we were able to do. We did have some others um, that were planned, but either because of scheduling or because of people's planes leaving earlier than anticipated, we weren't able to do. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just miscommunication. But we did uh, get an interview with uh, Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief. Um, it is a press-style interview, so you'll hear a couple of questions from us. You'll hear questions from other people that were uh, covering media at JMX. So um, a lot more questions about Halo and a lot less questions about Steve Downs than I would have liked, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, that you, you guys, if you guys have listened to our our interview, interviews at all, you know that uh, for the most part, except for that first question where I just you know ask them what they're working on, see if they're willing to announce anything. Um, I typically just don't ask about their work specifically. I try and get to know the. Did person. you ask him why the Connect is bundled with the Xbox One? No, that's what I was. Why, why, why the fuck would he know? <laughs> I mean, I know Why he's Master Chief. I know he's Master Chief and all that, but uh, you know, he shows up and does the voice and uh, signs, you know, signs the back of the checks when he turns into the clerk. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't make these awful fucking TRM and you know, connect bundling decisions. Well, see, that would have set that would have set my tone for the interview. If he would have laughed at that, like we're gonna have a good time. If he was like gotten kind of pissed at that, and you know, I, I th- gave like a blue answer, I'm like you know what, I probably not going to do much of an interview. Well, it was one of those things where I think somebody asked him something like that, and he was like, well, you know, I don't I don't really have any say in that. And I'm like, why are you asking this question in the first place? It's like... Oh, this we... was a group interview? Not yeah, a it was a group. One? It was a group. Yeah, that's that was the first words out of my mouth, Mike. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you, should but... have, you should have turned to him and went, you know, I appreciate all that you do, but that's a stupid fucking question. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I think they deserve taking my teeth out and and rinsing them off there. It's, so it's I fine. Didn't, I didn't hear that first part. In the words of Clancy Brown, you're gonna look a whole lot funnier sucking my dick with no teeth. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's Clancy Brown, the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, yeah, uh, good, good pull, good pull there. That's that's good. Um, quality, quality material. I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> let's see. Did anybody else do anything <laughs> on Saturday? Because trains going off the rails. Did the anything big, else happen? Yeah, t- because until talk, talking about your uh, awesome tabletops game panel, which has a story attached to it that oh, yes. we'll get into. Um, I uh, I got some really good uh, program book creating Saturday night. Oh, what were you the, creating a uh, program book for? For the Habicon Minicon 2013, November 9th, Saturday. Everyone should be there. It's it, extra funny because this might go up, you know, on Friday. <laughs> People might listen to it. But, maybe. you know, if you do happen to be at uh, MA Blast Chattanooga, you'll see not Basil there. But you might see some <laughs> other people on this podcast wait, there. Wait, will you so, not see Basil or will you see not Basil? You might see not Basil. I'm not sure where the false Basil lives. I, I'm not sure either. But either way, you should go to MA Blast Chattanooga. Have a great time on Friday and Sunday and Saturday. Go, why am I here when I could be in Huntsville? When I could be in Alabama. Because I, I have I have two panels on Saturday there. And then, Alabama. And then on, on Friday I work. And then on on Sunday I I have a panel to do at uh, Knox Game Design. So Look, all I'm saying is Huntsville. 
Still better most of Tennessee. Mic drop. <laughs> Are you expecting oh. an argument on that? Huntsville is better than most of Alabama. I mean, come on. What kind of comparison is that? Oh, well. It's not what I can make. Neo Space Huntsville 3 is better than all of Alabama. <laughs> Neo Space Huntsville 3. Uh, it's coming. So. so Dylan, how was your panel? Oh, man. Um, for, oh, first what? of all, um. I think we should give a big shout out to I, I believe Jonathan Wright is is the media person for JMX who runs their Twitter now. Um, he did an excellent job getting the word out about your panel being moved around, and we'll get into those yeah. reasons here in a minute. But also in the guidebook, in the actual factual JMX guidebook, when it, as soon as you know we figured out what was happening and we got everything changed. Um, they put a, a notification in the guidebook. So as soon as you opened it, it said, you know, Awesome Tabletop Games has been moved to da 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 at this place. So that was really cool because you couldn't open the app without actually seeing the notification for Awesome Tabletop Games. And I ended up getting moved to the... So so let's, let's go back to what happened. Yes. I was scheduled at 8 o'clock. There were a lot of games that were just stuck off, or there were a lot of panels that were stuck well, off in the other column. We, we should we should go, like, even further, because when we first showed up on Friday, the first thing we did after we got our badges, which that was a little bit of an adventure in itself, um, the first thing we did was we went over to Analog Gaming, because, you know, that had games there, you know, they were still setting stuff up, but people were in there, and, you know, it seemed like... You know, it was the only could, thing open. At yeah, that. it seemed like you could do some stuff there. Um, but one of the one of the people... There's a lady there that introduces herself, and, you know, she's... I, I don't remember if she said she was running the analog gaming program or um, what her official capacity was, but she had some official capacity. And I mentioned something about, you know, Dylan running a, a panel... Which, in the in the guide, says it's in the analog gaming room because there's a little place that has the room name. You know, say you know, like Clydesdale or Palomino or you know whatever the room name yeah, was. But on the paper program, it says nothing. Yeah, about it's, it's where it miscellaneous, is. but it has nothing about where the actual thing is because a lot of the miscellaneous programs take place like outside and in, in a little plaza area. Some of them take place in other non-panel rooms, but they didn't specify. But in guidebook, it did state it was in the analog gaming room. And um, anyway, I mentioned this, and she seemed like completely lost. Like you know, there's yeah. there's no panel going on. And so I show her in the guidebook. I'm like, yeah, this is the panel. Here's what's going on. And you know, I showed her where it said analog gaming room, and then I showed you know, where it had other rooms listed in that exact same spot, so she didn't know it wasn't, you know, misconstruing what that meant and in the guide. And it wasn't, she, like, I think you said, she said it was going to be on the analog gaming room schedule, but it wasn't, and neither were, I think, any of the other panels that were listed there. The The actual games were on the on the schedule, though. Yeah. Well, now, the the panel that was scheduled for the analog gaming room, like yours was, following you, yeah, they made them shut down the analog gaming room for an hour. Yes, they did. Kicked everybody out, had the panel in there, and let them go back in. So that was pretty I, fucked up. I, I I'll get to that in a little bit when when we I, I kind of walk through it. But actually, did you have anything you wanted to add, 
John? Uh, not yet. We'll we'll okay. we'll get to it here in a minute. Um, really, like the the problem with the mix up was, um, the analog gaming room itself didn't really have a quiet space for panels, and there was a lot there. And I think, to their credit, I think analog game was gaming was a lot more full than they expected yeah. it to be. Um, it was it was full damn near every time I went in. Yeah, I mean, this, it was always hard to find a table, which is which is you know not a bad problem to have for them. Yeah, the the staff didn't know about the panels as as we'd already discussed, and then to be honest, analog gaming panels are not a big draw, and they're not all created equal. Like the the Cards Against Humanity panel, I think based on what happened to my panel, they moved it into an actual panel room. And then realized they know they actually needed the the tables, so I think they overcorrected. Um, I mean, a lot of it just seemed to be um, you know just information slipping through the cracks. Like I told them that you know on panel submission that I needed you know this was a slide presentation. You know I wasn't bringing the games, and you know I still got stuck there. So. I, I, you know, I don't. I don't think it was just horribly wrong. It was just a problem specifically with analog gaming. Well, there there is another problem, and let me go ahead and set this up because. Okay. Um, I understand that you know primarily this is you know volunteer staff, volunteer, um, you know, yeah. people underneath them, and they're doing this for free. They're doing this because you know they want to do something for the convention. And I appreciate their passion, and I understand that, you know, things don't always work easily and that they're not professionals at this or anything like that. But um, my my criticism would be um, they kind of made a mistake in putting the onus on you as the panelist when they said, oh, well, you should go talk to somebody else and find out what's going on. Well, to be that- fair, this, this was partly my fault because I – one – you know, I I knew that I was scheduled in analog gaming. I sent an email saying, "Hey, you know, am I gonna have a, you know, I'm mean, I gonna be able to hook up my laptop and do this because this is what I need." But also, when that happened, they were, you know, I went to the customer service desk, and they just sent me back to analog gaming. I'm like, they told me to escalate this up the chain, but. I just they, I don't want to deal with it. This is classic I, Dylan right here. This is on me. I emailed them. No, 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 I no. Told I'm not in person. I'm not saying I, it's, I wrote it with a skywriter on the airplane. But you know, I I really didn't push. But the but issue. I, but, well, I did, no, but I, mean, I didn't do their job for well, them. No, yeah, so. I didn't do their job not, for them. I'm not saying that I did. That's exactly what you said. I'm not saying that this <laughs> is all my fault. I'm saying that. But it I, is. I could have prevented it, and then we'd be we'd be having a we'd have a be having this discussion we would just be having a different discussion my again the point i was trying to make is they never should have put this on you in the first place because yeah. you are the panelist um you know some somebody you know from from gmx feel free to to have a a open discussion and disagreement on this if you'd like to i'd, I'd be happy to to hear any anything you might have to say but from the knowledge I know, Dylan is providing a service to JMX by doing a panel. And, you know, as Dylan points out, not all panels are created equal, but that's not necessarily Dylan's fault. Um, he's not there to curate interest, engage interest in, you know, his panel, it, you know, when obviously, you know, Cards Against Humanity is like the Hatalia of analog gaming. 
it it kind of is and and like yeah, I, that the way i look at it is well yeah it is is the italia or the homestuck it's like it's it's going to draw the broadest most casual cross uh, cross section of your audience but if, if you want to get into it it's not developing better gaming fans as basil would put it well my only point will be is that at the end of the day as a panelist you're a panelist you're not staff. Yes, exactly. And it, and it sounds like what they were asking you to do was do a staff job when you are not staff. Yeah, when when what they should have done is either delegated someone underneath them to say, hey, can you go talk to this person and find out what's going on with this? Or do it themselves at the earliest opportunity. I mean, I know some of these people had walkie-talkies. I know not everyone did. But... There, there should have, could have been some way in the intervening time between Friday afternoon when this was first addressed and Saturday evening when Dylan's panel was for somebody to take it on themselves to talk to somebody, either you know make themselves a note and talk to it to somebody later in the evening or early the next day, sometime when there is some downtime and say, hey, I have a potential issue, what do we need to do about this? Yeah, I... the, the truth here too is Dylan is um, a really good panelist. Um, you know, I, I've run my conference, and Basil, you can probably you'll probably back me up on this, but there are many panelists who will show up if you're lucky, 15 minutes before they go, and they're just like, all right, so I'm gonna walk in here and go. And as the conference organizer, as staff, you should be able to say, yeah, that's where you go. Very, very few are going to take the time to even figure out what their room is five minutes before their panel. So I think Dylan is doing a really solid to GMX by pointing out, hey, there's an issue here that needs to be addressed and needs to be fixed. Because to be honest, Cards Against Humanity probably would have been a larger train wreck um, had Dylan not at least alerted to the issue. Because obviously they weren't catching on that, hey, there's no panels happening in analog gaming room. Well, and, and in fact, that's I kind of felt bad about the resolution just because, um, like, I think some when I when I'd ask like ten or fifteen minutes before the panel, um, there was someone in there who said, "Yeah, there was a LARP panel that was moved like moved outside." That, that someone the hall, was me. And that someone were, was me because I was okay. I was because my daughter wanted to go to the LARP panel. She wanted to check that out, uh, yeah. and we were trying to find where they were at and. They got bounced around between inside, outside, and then finally somebody just said, well, here, set up in the hallway, at which point they went, um, okay, we're just going to cancel. I, I I would bet that's not the only panelist, but the, the difference was, you know, I had, like, right before my panel, I went into Analog Gaming, looked around, didn't really see any place to set up. I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a sweep of the panel rooms just to make sure I haven't missed something. Come back five minutes late. I think stand outside. Technically, I was a no-show. They had put a call out saying that they had a no-show. Um, you know, there were people waiting there. Then Jonathan was like, "No, wait, I know these guys." Yeah, he's he you sent know. us a, a direct message on Twitter. And again, I just shouted him out a few minutes ago. I'm shouting out Jonathan again because he did an excellent job with the situation. Um, but but my point is, like, if if we didn't know someone, it would have turned out much differently. Oh, absolutely, but. You know the fact that and he, I feel bad for the people who didn't have that. <laughs> well, well, the fact that he went out of his way, he said, "You know, you guys are have a panel you're supposed to be out." I'm like, 
you know, as as soon as I realized that they didn't know where you were, I'm like, okay, this is what's going on. And he took care of it right then. Yeah, like, and this like, is my problem when I go to the cons. This is why I don't ever like them. Because having run them, you know, to me, it's like this is not a hard problem to fix, guys. You know, my well, my method is my staff all have assigned stations. And, and granted, I'm not running a... Um, a a fan con. I'm I'm running a developer convention. Still nonprofit, still community driven, but there is a different audience, uh, and things are done a little bit differently. Like I have to give everybody lunch, and you never get that at a, a convention. But um, everybody at staff is like, all right, you're you're doing tickets, you're you're helping speakers in the rooms, you know, with projector and issues like that. Everybody has an assigned role, and if you run into anything, my entire role is for you to come to me. So I have no assigned place to be because my entire assignment is dealing with, oh, wow, there's a conflict. Okay, I'll resolve it. Can you do it here? Can I move this? And telling the staff, when someone comes up to you and you don't know what to do, you're going to call, you're going to contact Mike. Here's phone. Here's information. You just contact Mike. And that's all I do. I bounce around the convention because these things are going to happen no matter what. Something's going to happen, somebody's going to no-show, something's going to break in a room, something's going to come up, and you just need to have somebody planned in advance of, like, you're the guy handling it. Um, it seems like at GMX there isn't a specific guy. Everybody just kind of gets on their little radios and bounce back and forth and, by committee, try to work it out, and I just don't think that can work. Well, yeah. there, there may Rant be... Over, sorry. There well, may be a, a system in place, but when people in their roles fail to you know, do their job. And again, you know, maybe this was just a lack of experience, but you know, so there was definitely a failure to communicate, to communicate yeah. <laughs> and address a problem that we brought up very, very early in the convention. Yeah. And I think, um, and, and like I said, they, they were depending on us to escalate and I didn't, but I think what they can do next year to, to stop this is one, you know, before, after the schedule is mostly finalized, but before, you know, it's sent out, like you need to go through the, anything that's sta scheduled in a non-standard location. Just send out the schedule to all the panelists and, and the presenters. I've always done that. It's like, Hey, they this do. goes out next week. Take a look. Um, and, and, you know, see if anything looks out of place. They did. There was some feedback there and, but, but the, the panelists, process and like the tech review process is built around you're going to have a TV, you're going to have a microphone, you're going to have an audio jack. Do you need anything else? And the problem is those non-standard panel locations don't fit into that. And the other thing is, you know, like I said, analog gaming is a different beast. Some games need people sitting around a table. Some games need a panel room. If they're in the same location, they've got a really nice location in the back to have a very small panel room and mm -hmm. and they could make that into a you know 30 minutes beforehand you clear it out you come in set up a tv and you can handle 99 percent of the panels yeah yeah you could yeah um, well, you would you would have you would have basically panels that you couldn't get into because it is a small room but again it that's a better alternative i think to have oh i couldn't get into this panel i'm just going to show up earlier next year I, I don't know. That's out. I don't know if you really want to. You're saying there's. A, I'm guessing that the panel room that you're proposing 
was being used by analog game to run games when, the, yeah. when there's no panels. See, I, I don't like that as a solution. Well, but the problem like, was like is... the the reason I say that though is it was good for the D and D games. They had I think they had some D and D games running back there. So you're right. That's probably not a great solution. No. But at the same time, like when they realized that Cards Against Humanity needed, you know, people sitting around a table, they literally came into analog gaming, cleared everyone who was not playing Cards Against Humanity back to that back room, and it was kind of a mess. Well, what I'm saying is that clearing anybody who's playing a game yeah. is a bad move. It yeah. is. Even if it's like a big room or a little room. Either way, it's a bad, it's a bad, it's a bad idea, and so what they're just going to have to do, in my opinion, and you know, I am in no way an expert of things, uh, especially dealing with analog gaming and stuff, um, is you need to plan ahead that if you know you're going to have this kind of crazy panel, you need to figure out where that panel is going to be ahead of time, keeping in mind the special circumstances of that panel. Yeah. No, and I also like... going back to what I learned from the guy who's running analog gaming, he got that word like two weeks before it was going. So yeah. perhaps if they had somebody in charge of analog gaming months in advance of the conference, That's... then they would be like, okay, you're going to have these analog panels in your room. That's probably why when you came up to the, the, the girl who was working there with him, she had no concept there were supposed to be panels back here because, you know, she a they week just... ago... She just found out, like, hey, can you staff this from these hours? Yeah. Um, so anyway. Also, John, it's funny you mentioned, like, uh, Cards Against Humanity being the uh, Italia, because... Well, well, it is. I mean, what what the fuck kind of panel can you have about well, Cards Against Humanity? Isn't this card really fucking funny? Yes, there's your panel, ladies they, and gentlemen. They apparently gave out a, a GMX-specific expansion, um... But I did. I, I was thinking about that because I did think the same thing. Since there were like three Cards Against Humanity panels, and like part of me wants to go like come up with a panel that talks about games that you will like if you like Cards Against Humanity to kind of you know like have apples people branch. Apples. Well, no, 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 no. He should uh, have an apples to apples panel. There we no, go. <laughs> I, I'm saying like there's there's uh you know say anything. There's a game called Larceny that I backed on Kickstarter that that's the same concept. Like you could really do, and again like like I said, Basil coming from the uh, the baking better fans side of things, go like no get you more into gaming as opposed to you're gonna get bored with Cards Against Humanity and it's no longer gonna be a thing and you're gonna move on to something else. Yeah, it sounds like if you're going to do this with a what you should really what you really need to have is not a Cards Against Humanity panel, but rather Cards Against Humanity like open demos. Oh, you mean like the analog gaming room? Like oh, that's what it's fucking wanna... there for? I don't want to bag on Cards Against Celebrity Humanity. Celebrity Cards I, Against Humanity. I'm not, I'm not bright bagging against the game. I enjoy the game, but you don't need to have a fucking panel about it. It's the most basic fucking game in history. <laughs> I know. Like, if it was a, if it was a panel about the history of Cards Against Humanity, it was, uh, you know, something that, you know, you'd be playing apples to apples. More, uh, well, I don't There's... care about that. What I'm saying is that if you were going to do a panel. That is about Cards Against Humanity that's not like a demo, but is, you know, or overriding topics like, why is it a fun game? What, you know, aspects of humanity is, are they tapping into and, you know, how, they were all terrible people. 
you know, something more than just, oh, here's the game and here's how you play it. If your panel is, here's the game, here's how you play it, wasn't that funny, that's a demo. Here's well, I don't know. To be fair, I did not go to that panel. I didn't go to any of the Cards Against Humanity panels. That, so that's, I can't really say. That's perfectly fair. Yeah, I didn't go to these panels either. I Maybe they went into some sort of nuanced discussion, but I don't know what that discussion entails because it is a basic fucking game. And this is why I'm not uh, you know, the director of content for any convention <laughs> because there would be no panels. There would be no panels for anything. Homestuck? Nope. Get that shit out of here. Hatalia? <laughs> Nope. You know, you're going in the trash. There's three tracks. Evangelion, Evangelion the OVA, and Evangelion the movies. That's that's the tracks. There, there, no, no, it would be, one of those no, it'd be Evangelion, Fighting Games, Kogios. <laughs> what? No Dell's a part-timer? Yes. Yeah, yes. There, you can't there, drop there, the mic again. You, you already dropped it. Oh, that was me slamming the mic into the table. I will say about uh, Cards Against Humanity, uh, played that with mom. Um, if you're going to play with that game with your mom, be prepared to answer the question when your mom asks, what is Bukake? Yep. Um, and our answer was, uh, just discard that and draw another. That's a poor answer. That is a very poor that answer. That is the best the, answer when it's your mom. No, no, the best answer is, oh, I have a smartphone. Here, look it up. I'll kill you. Yes. You know the Apple TV you got you for Christmas, Mom? Break it out. Oh. Just, that, that was essentially what happened when uh, when I went to visit Daryl's family, and she had her older sister bring her copy of Cards Against Humanity oh to God. play at a family get-together. And I believe it was her mom that ended up with something along those lines. That sounds said, right. Oh, what is this? And somebody said, oh, don't worry, I've got a smartphone, let's look it up. It was <laughs> I, awesome. She how how long had they been playing? Because she should have known that was a bad idea. Also, I I I don't know. Did I someone do play know. the blank was forever ruined for me when my mom had to act it out in charades? I don't remember. Although I do remember, I convinced Daryl to make her mom say coat hanger abortions. That was pretty fun. Dylan is doing the uh, Orson Welles clap. No, no, oh, we need to make a gift of you doing that. Yeah. Speaking of gifts, I do have the video footage of Dylan dressed up as uh, Link, Waterling? saying Waterlink, saying, "No, this is not what I wanted." <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta edit that up. Look for that in the future. Coming never to game marks. Oh, speaking of Saturday, I did leave something else off. I can change subjects here. I did do the swing dancing. Oh yeah, uh, how was oh, that? Oh yes, that is an awesome story. Um, I went and so I have taken three swing dancing lessons fifteen years ago. Um, and I mentioned that as we were going down the thing, and then Cicely was kind of interested, and I'm like, yeah, I in that one hour, right? I feel confident that we won't exceed my knowledge, right? So I'm like, <laughs> okay. Uh, we can do this. And I was fucked immediately because they were like, we're going to do this triple step. And I'm like, whoa, fuck. We did not do triple steps. We, we Two steps, all right? What the fuck's the triple step? So I actually did not triple step. I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to do the step I know. Um, so the, the thing was, so we went down there, and obviously a lot of couples come down there, but there was a handful of um, guys that came down there. There ended up being a handful of guys that had come down with no partner, right? 
And um, most of us are here with a partner of like, yeah, we want to take an hour swing dancing class with my wife, you know, or my girlfriend here, or we're, we're two girls together and we want to uh, take that, <clears throat> take the take the class together. You know, I don't, not judging, not assuming anything, but uh, we just don't want any penises involved in this, right? That's fine. That's fine. Who does? You know, so, if, if that is involved in swing dancing, you're probably doing it wrong. Just saying. <laughs> hey, Mike, a, that is a different activity. Mike has children. He knows how to swing dance. That's all I'm saying. So, uh, all I'm saying is do not trust birth control pills alone. That's all I'm saying. So, the, um, the organizers, they get us together, they get in this, this big circle, and they're um, trying to pair up these extra guys, and they're looking at the two girl couples, right? And they're saying, like, hey, if you two don't mind, why don't you two just split up and each take one of these guys? These lone loser nerds at a, at a con, you know, um, and a lot of these girls are... Let's say they would be out of their league. They're they're batting above their average, maybe, if they were with these girls uh, in any other situation. Uh, the, the couple next to us, she was adamant. She was, no, no, I'm good. No, we don't want to do that. No, I lead, okay? I, I lead, she, you know, she's not, so I, I need to be, like, in lead and all that. And finally, they capitulated because it worked out so that all the guys were on the outside ring, all the girls were on the inside ring. Um, but the part that threw in the wrench and everything was that they uh, said, and every like 30 seconds, one minute, you switch partners. So they taught you like one step, you practice that one step, and then they did a partner switch, right? Um, now, in the interim, okay, the, uh, the group kind of got together so they could hear them and then space back out. And when they did the spacing back out, the two that were next to us, right? They moved to the opposite side of the room so she wouldn't get paired with that guy again, right? Mm -hmm. uh, this guy has scars emotionally from this, I'm sure, that are going to last the rest of his life. Um, but as we're going around and we're doing our little swing dancing, we come towards the end. So, like, I, I start with Cicely and then next girl, next girl, next girl. You know, we're going all the way around. Some of it's awkward, but I'm like, you know, it's not my fault that you chose to dress like Lilu from Fifth Element, okay? And we have to do the close dancing segment, right? You chose to come down naked to the con. I'm just doing what the instructors tell us to do. I'm putting my hand, I'm trying to hit the middle of your back, you know, sorry. But, no um, and also, it's, a minute later you're gonna be gone anyway, so get over it. Um, and then the next guy's gonna put his hands all over you. Um, think about your costume choice next year. So, um, coming around, as they come around, uh, I, I'm not doing great, okay? So, by no stress of imagination, I had those three classes 15 years ago prepared me. I get this horsewoman, like, she was <laughs> seven and a half feet tall, and we're supposed to be twirling her. She's supposed to be going underneath, like, my arm. The fuck I mean, that's happening? The fucking way that would happen normally. But... She has a stance of like two feet. So every time she steps to the side, her normal shoulder width is like swinging me around uh, the dance floor. But then she can't keep her left from her right straight. So every time we do the twirl move, she goes to the wrong side every time. 
So we don't even get to the part where she supposed to go under me because she just plows right into me. Then the one after that was the um, female couple. I'm not assuming lesbian, but she was definitely. But you're assuming. Uh, if she, if it was a lesbian couple, she's definitely the male, the butch role. Um, ironically, she's the smaller and the skinnier of the two, but she was the one that wants to lead. And I had seen her going around. She obviously knows how to dance quite well. So I was like, great. Now I have the one who can lead better than me and I have to lead her and she can dance better than me and probably hates the fact that I have a penis. Uh, and then my we last person to come through was the dance instructor herself. So I was like, great. The last three that come through where I could have like actually looked good. Just no, that didn't happen at all. Um, so I recommend if you do that next year, alcohol, <laughs> just loads and loads of alcohol. Cicely told me, um, I didn't notice any of the, the girls going around, but she told me going around, several of the guys were quite ripped. You could smell on their breath. I'm like, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. Those guys have played swing dancing before. I like that you think this is the thing that would drive me to, you know, snap. Yeah, so there's a scenario in which um, I imagine this was Dylan, this was how Dylan you opened going... up the story to me. <laughs> oh yeah, it was Dylan going to swing dancing, and and the setup has to be it has to be like Dylan's sister Devin, uh, a, a wife of somebody he knows, like a Cicely, uh, a, a Liz, a Jen, somebody who has their heart set on swing dancing, and then he knows personally, and for whatever reason. I think my my example uh, with you, John, was that uh, Billy West wants him to announce his next role on Chainsaw Buffet podcast at the same time. Right. And, and you have to now drop everything and go do that. And, and, and your wife, Jen, she's 100% supportive of that because, you know, she believes in the podcast and everything. This is an ultimate opportunity, but she still wants to swing dance. And Dylan, will you please do it? I think that Dylan, between the I don't want to touch people, Dylan, and the... I don't want to let someone down, Dylan. I don't want to let someone down, Dylan, would probably reason out there. He'd probably be like, I know Jen. It's an hour. Don't want to let her down. Okay. She knows my personal space. We go down there. And then he would have got down there and found out, we're going to switch, and you're going to dance with 100 people down here in the next hour. Um, and this is when Dylan killed everyone at GMX. That was the <laughs> moment zero. <laughs> That was the inciting incident, as it were. Yes. Don't do it, Dylan. <laughs> Don't do it. It's okay to touch people sometimes. Whoa. Or yourself. Wow. Hey there. Howdy. Well, he touched you plenty when he's when he's stabbing you uh, with the miniatures he grabbed from the analog board gaming room because he's still pissed about being kicked out of that. But no, that doesn't count because he's using miniatures, not using himself. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. He could repeatedly stab you with himself. <laughs> hey. Howdy. Uh, I so, I don't remember too much more of Saturday <laughs> because between Liz's farts and my increasing fatigue and uh, inability to stop myself from saying the word fuck over and over as the night <laughs> went, went on, um, I think I started to go a little crazy. So, I, actually, out of curiosity... Aside from griping about the incidents of the panel, do you guys have feedback on the panel? It was good. It was a very good panel. I actually wrote down uh, some game suggestions. Uh, oh, and that reminds me. 
John, you mentioned a game when I said um, Ticket to Ride. Yes. What was the name of that? Uh, the best game ever, uh, Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep. I thought that's what it was, but I wasn't 100%. That, that is a good game. It's it's tremendous uh, because it. I did play Ticket to Ride first. No, no, I played Lords of Waterdeep first. I played it at Hamicon uh, of all places. Oh, that's right. So thank you for that, Basil. Um and then I played Ticket to Ride like a couple of months later over at Nathan Crystals, and you know the whole secret objective and worker placement sort of thing. I'm like, oh, this actually is kind of like you know a different take on Lords of Waterdeep, except Lords of Waterdeep is awesome. Well, and it, it Ticket to Ride is is good, but well, it does go back to like I'm talking about. I talk about mechanics at the beginning of that. That like once you play enough that you know the mechanics, then you're like. Oh, X is like Y except with Z, and you know, it kind of helps your appreciation for those other games right. as well. I also came away from your panel, Dylan, realizing I have to play Dominion at some point. Yes. Because if you can describe all other games in terms of Dominion, I probably should well, play it. Well, I, I wouldn't your say... Your CCG you... list was, these games are all like Dominion except or add. I, I that don't... was the CCG slide. I don't think it's quite that... But if you like, if you, I, what I was really saying was everything is one step from something else. So like, if you start on one end of the continuum with Dominion and you start on the other end with like the Star Trek deck building game, you move like one step in and you will eventually connect them to each other with, you know, with another game that is just one mechanic off. Just, it's the just, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Just play Tonto Corey because that's the only game you need. Was that the Moe CCG? Yeah, yes. The the Moe version of uh, Dominion. But I but the the converse of that is like if you play Dominion, then like you are ready to enter the 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 larger world and of, of deck building games. That's fair. I'm gonna be the guy you hate. I'm gonna be the guy that knows all of his deck building games from Hearthstone. And you guys are just gonna be like, "Motherfucking Hearthstone asshole!" Hearthstone, no, no. When I say deck didn't play any CCGs until Hearthstone already, came out. We're deck, already like that with you. Hearthstone. <laughs> is I'm assuming not a deck building game. If it's more like Magic, where you build the deck outside of the game, then it is not Dominion. Dominion yeah. is build the deck. Inside. I barely know you. Fuck there's, you and your Hearthstone. I mean, really. <laughs> Goddamn. There's two modes in Hearthstone. There is build the deck before the game. And then there is go into the game and build the deck right before the game from a random set. Yeah, for the game or daring. You know, here's the thing: you should be thanking me because if Blizzard had done anything other than give 100% of its proceeds to uh, Japan Relief when it did its little donation drive for pets, if it had pulled crap like it did with uh, Make a Wish, where they pocketed half oh, of that, there yeah, would be well, no, there would be no more Blizzard. What Chainsaw Buffet episode is that? That was like almost a half an episode ranting against Blizzard and pet purchases or yeah. something. Yes, because uh, it's now like a ten-year-old fucking game, and you're still paying fifteen dollars a month for it. Hey man, they're, they're still down, pointing and laughing. They're down to only like seven million subscribers. I know in, in it's wow, terrible. Man. They're only making seven million <laughs> times fifteen dollars every fucking month <laughs> off of these guns. Uh. It's not, you know, it's, I mean, if only free-to-play, if only that free-to-play model worked for multiple games and they made money off of it. 
If only there was something that could prove that they weren't just ripping you off because they're assholes, because they're run by Activision, the same company that ran Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and uh, Guitar Hero into the ground and is doing so with Call of Duty. Uh, yep. Just an aside, an aside since we're talking about it. Did well, you guys you, see? You like this. Did you guys you, see the cutscene from Call of Duty Ghosts? No. They no. apparently stole. Uh, motion capture from one of the previous Call of Duty games, like the end scene where they're Modern dragging Warfare you off. 2. Yeah, Modern Warfare 2. At the end of Modern Warfare 2, apparently they're carrying you off into a chopper for extraction or something like that. They took it, like the motion capture scene for scene in another scene in Ghosts. Wait, 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 that's not stealing, that is asset reuse. Yes, and here's the thing, there's a big shitstorm about this. Like, how dare they reuse, uh, you know, this material from Modern Warfare 2, and I'm like, they've been reusing the same fucking shit since Call of Duty, what was it, 2 on Xbox 360. John, John remember that when they played Modern Warfare 2, they were like 9, and they're 12 now, and they don't remember that well. <laughs> I, they they don't I, remember no. Modern Warfare three, and they and don't then, remember uh, Black Ops one and two, and they and don't John, remember John, World at John, War. Those who aren't twelve, they were too drunk <laughs> and blazed when they were playing Modern Warfare two <laughs> because they're they remember, and they don't care about it in this new one because they were the drunk and Call blazed. Duty, bro? Or twelve, I, I know that so, played this one. I know that some it's of these people, good. like this, is the first time they realize that Call of Duty even had a story mode. Like I understand that. Well, I, I I think what we've learned though is I'm gonna have to go and delete my code library because you know using and even a line of any code that I've already written is just. Just wrong. It's derivative, um, anyway. It's just, yeah, I, I, mean, I think we're going to have to burn down it's, Stack Exchange. It's um, a and I'm, you know, they're, I'm really they're sad destroying that I know the now. internet. So, John, you'll and love to know my... that um, Hearthstone's real purpose um, to launch Hearthstone. I mean, the icon on my desktop says Hearthstone, but that doesn't launch Hearthstone. Of course that not. That launches the Blizzard client. And the Blizzard client, you know, you click from it and you play Hearthstone, but it also has on there, do you want to play StarCraft? Do you want to play WoW? Do you want to play any other Blizzard game? You know, it's just a convenient launcher. But this thing wait, wait, has wait, wait. all so the hooks play... of a Steam client in there. It and... works so well for Origin. I can't wait until we get the Blizzard controller. No, 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 no. That's no. just so an. Saying... That's just a fucking cash, you know, like off of a fucking vending machine. It's just well, a dollar no, slot. No, no, my, my have... here, guys, guys, guys. Can I play? Are you saying that by launch's launcher, I can play Lost Vikings or I can play Rock and Roll Racing? Nope. Just at a touch of the button, right? That's, nope. that's what you're telling me. That's that tell not... me by launching the Blizzard launcher that I can play the awesome. I can play StarCraft Ghosts. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> no. There's, there's not a thing that you can launch to play StarCraft Ghosts. <laughs> you, you, you can play Diablo three. Um, they would like it if you would. Uh, somebody, please. They would um, like it if you would. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it looks real easy in this thing to just all of a sudden like, well, we're also Activision, so hey, why don't you buy a digital copy of Call of Duty in this in this launcher? Because everybody installed it because Hearthstone is free to play. And you had to get it to play Hearthstone, and now everybody runs Warden. And, you know, they don't even have to distribute it with WoW anymore. We're, we're going to have uh, a MOBA soon. Maybe you can play that. 
I'm just waiting for, you know, World of Warfare. <laughs> World of that, Warfare. That's what I'm waiting for. <laughs> I can't it's, wait. It's, I, I can't wait until the Draenei invade, uh, you know, Europe, and uh, we're having to fight them. With the guitar controller and the skateboard from that fucking Tony Hawk skate game. It's like someone made the fanfic or the video game equivalent of fanfic. <laughs> yes. Oh. Uh, so, so, so GMX, yeah. Oh, did we run? Are we still talking about GMX? <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I, I wanted to take my headphones off for part of that discussion uh, when Mike brought up the Steam launcher. I but I couldn't. I also wanted to hear it, but I also <laughs> didn't want to hear it. Steam su- or uh, GMX Sunday. I'm V-I-N-U-L-L on the uh, Hearthstone Blizzard client, just so anybody out there want to challenge me, because none of these fuckers are obviously going to play. That's a fact. It's a factual <laughs> statement. Um, let's see. I'm S- Sunday. Hey, I'm going to be down on the corner if you guys want to smoke some crack, because none of these guys are. <laughs> none of these guys are going to hit the pipe with me. <laughs> <laughs> you guys know where I can get some drugs. But you know what's like crack? Fine literature. Yeah, yes. I, I was about to say, I don't think I went to well, any of these. Um, I, went to, like, I went to the before, robot battles. Well, for several robots, we, we, we forgot the greatest panel of our generation, Tauntaun Racing. Yes. Oh yeah, that's right. But we before did. that, robot battles. What's up with robot battles? Let me hear all of these robots um, and the battle ones. I went Is it to just that. like Pacific Rim, only with like robots? No, do you remember BattleBots, Basil? Yes. Okay. It was like BattleBots except for in a really tiny plastic box. Mm-hmm. With much smaller robots. I'll have awesome. some video up of that because I had a seat right up front and, and managed to get some good captures on that. So they, they were limited to one and three pound robots. Um... They did have some mix of like engineer college students uh, there with some really deadly looking things um, in there. But this one kid, his dad had taken him, like, I guess right before the con or something, down to Radio Shack, right? And bought him one of the little radio trucks. <laughs> yeah, that seems like him, a great idea. Let him enter that in the competition. Because the, the goal is not to destroy the other robot, it is to push it outside of the ring. So if you could you could push the other robot out, um, then that's a win, right? So it didn't have to have any saw blades on it, but you could tell there was kind of this like hate by the people who have actually wired up circuitry and Arduino boards and bent sheet metal and spent you know long nights soldering shit together. No, I can't understand why there would be resentment over some jackoff buying his kid something from Radio Shack. He's just driving it down. They put the kid's Radio Shack robot in against this other guy's one that had a saw blade on the front of it that spin that spun at 15,000 RPMs per minute, right? The blade weighed about half a pound, so it still stayed under the pound limit. But it was a huge-ass blade with a huge-ass spike on it. And the problem became, what constitutes the robot to push out? Is this broken half of a wheel of the robot? Are these two wires the robot? There is nothing left. They had to stop for five minutes to brush out the uh, arena uh, in there. And the other great moment that happened is the arena was a, um, let's say, six foot by six foot by three foot tall plexiglass uh, box. With right? wood 
trimmings, wood, you know. Wood trimmings and everything. Um, but pretty stout. Like, nothing was going to fly out of this thing. The only opening is the opening in the back uh, that was toward the stage away from the audience that you had to push the robot out on. And during one of the battles with the 15,000 RPM robot, um, the announcer sat on the stage off at like, you know, 45, 60 degree angle away from it, right? And that robot caught and like flew around the cage and everything like that. And something flew out and cut him uh, on, on the face, right? Uh, yeah, on the, on like the on the lip or something like it that. It was bleeding a oh, good God. amount. It was it was a pretty good bleed amount. Um, and it's just a wild, like, angle for that to ricochet off of with enough force to get out to actually manage to hit someone like that. He had the great line, though, too, because he was like, "I, it's my, it's my panel. I can't sue anyone. It's my company. You know, there's no one I can sue. Um, I own this, right? Because um, he, he does some robot battles podcast or something, and, and that was their thing. Um, but it was overall pretty good, and I should have some okay pics of it. Um, it was definitely like a, a very close up and personal, uh, yeah. robot wars they used to have on, the hell was that? Oh, on? yeah. I do, I do have one thing to, to state because it was kind of a curious decision. Um, after the, you know, they had ran through, you know, all the competitions and, you know, kudos to the host for, uh, you know, gutting it out while he was, you know, bleeding half to death, uh, up on stage and, you know, uh, but afterwards, he's like, well, I'm going to go get checked out, but if you guys want to stay and do some more exhibitions, you know, we you know, we still have the, the room for another, you know, like 40 minutes or whatever it was. Because it was scheduled in a two-hour block. We only took like an hour and ten minutes or something like that. And my, my problem was he was leaving these people unsupervised. So, you know, people who maybe stayed at a distance, you know, as, you know, the group thinned out would probably just move right up there. And, uh, you know, with supervision, you know, somebody got injured. I don't know what could possibly happen with a bunch of kids with killer robots if, uh, you know, nobody's around to be like, hey, hey maybe this is a bad idea. If if this guy's not lost anybody so far, because this, is, this dude, um, he's been running robot battles at conventions at least since I was going to Dragon Con in the late 90s. My mic. So, this, go ahead. Why have they not, knowing GMX and therefore MTEX connections, had these robots fight off against Kaiju Big Battle? That's an excellent question. Because they I weren't that big. It would have. Look, that I'm just saying. Fun. Well, you use some force. So the giant mobile Dalek, the Dalek or whatever that that would work. That was. Impressive. I'm just saying after Pacific Rim. I expect more things out of my robots and kaiju, and what I expect is the kaiju and the robots fight each other. Are Are you sure you're not confusing Pacific Rim with Real Steel? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. Like I, I really do think that you're thinking Pacific Rim. No, you're thinking of Real Steel. No, you're thinking of Rock'em Sock'em Robots because no. there there are no alien invaders. Um, and, and really, why the fuck are we talking about Pacific Rim, which is, you know, Pacific Amazing. Rim, which ripped off, you know, every other kaiju giant robot show in history. 
including the one that we referenced. I, I, I feel you mean the term homage. Mm, thank you. Yeah, homage. Sure. Um, I am sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. But, uh... It's absolutely completely, utterly serious, like Tom Tom Racing. Yeah, Tom Tom Racing. I, I went to a panel before thing. that. Okay. Oh, you didn't. What was your panel before Tauntaun Racing? Though? Um, I went to uh, mobile development on iOS and Android, and this—I I think this was like one of a two-part like panel. Saga. The same, yeah, the same guy did a, another panel after that, um, but it was—it it felt really weird to be at a convention because I figured, you know, like it would be more like a maker track robot battles type of thing where you know someone's going to jump into like PhoneGap or Xamarin Studio and start tinkering with code and kind of give you a peek behind the curtain. And instead, like, there was a guy here, and then they, like, did, like, a Google Hangout with a guy he knows in California who both work as subcontractors. And they started out with this um, PowerPoint deck, slide deck, about, you know, their process of developing an app, you know, that they use in their, uh, you know, freelancing business. It was literally, you know, talking about requirements, documents, and user stories, and statements of work, and you know, it's we charge ten to fifty thousand for an app, and I'm kind of like, this, like, even at a developer conference, that would feel weird. <clears throat> um, and it wasn't bad. Like they answered like one girl's questions about you know what platform you need to build an app. But really, like, most of the questions ended up being about, you know, well, how do you bill junior and senior uh, developers hours differently and, and, um, and things like that. So it was just, like, I, I like the idea of having a development uh, panel at something like this to get people interested and kind of, you know, not necessarily teach them how to write code, especially with something like mobile development, but um, to get them interested in learning more. And this was kind of felt corporate. So I don't know. It was, it, it kind of, it, it reminded me a lot of that resume panel um, that you guys were talking about. All right. So Tauntaun racing. All right. So, I, that's about the time I got there was right as Pontum Racing apparently was starting, because I said I would, I would if I could get off work on Sunday I would I would show up. I'd put in I would I would support my my, my buddies, in in the chainsaws and in the MNXs and the G's and the and the chains. and the weasel and the weasel wired and the button bop. Yeah, the gifts and the gifs. So, anyways. And I'm hanging out with uh, Nico and John. And John goes, I think Lauren, who is another uh, GMX person that we know, she's watching Tom Toby. She's going to go, we'll see that. And I'm like, okay. And I found John on my, on my way there. Then we found everybody else. So we headed over there. And I had no clue what this was, only that, you know, someone I knew was there. And we walk in. They immediately go, you got to keep going. You got to sit down. And I'm like, why not just sit down? Let's go. Uh, oh. And what this is, uh, and it's hosted by the guys who do Disaster Peace Theater, another podcast. And it's a race where people run around the the main events room in Tom Tom sleeping bags. 
and I guess it's to whoever gets the best uh, best time. And that was a thing. Yep. Yep. And and yet you go around saying different lines from yeah uh, yeah you did you did from the and series apparently you but had no finish. but nobody understood that uh, Luke I'm your father is not uh, followed by no you know the Hayden Christensen you know shout it's that's not true that's impossible or if you want to go the robot chicken route you can be like that's not true that's improbable well one person did that yeah one person one, got it one yeah. person got it. Yeah, one person actually said the line. Everybody said no. But it was obviously the whole point was to watch people goof off by trying to jump around in a Tom Tom, you know, sleeping bag. It was entertaining around, the first you know. couple of times. Like the... and you know they were they were playing Star Star Wars music in the background, and one of the ju- one of the judges hosts whatever was in it was in a robe, you know, Jedi robe. And apparently the finish line was you had to crush a you had to stomp on a uh, Jar Jar plushie or something that you know, of course no one could see. Of course that no one could see because it was you know in the middle of the panel floor and there's chairs and people watching. And I was just I was kind of flabbergasted at what I was watching. I was what what is this here for? Is and I I guess my my whole idea with going to cons and go, running to panels and helping running cons and blah, 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 is to, as Dylan's pointed out earlier, is to create a better fan. I, I go to panels to learn something, and I hope that when people go to my panels, they learn something. And I was not learning anything at this panel <laughs> at all. Only that, man, I'm glad I'm not the guy who's running around in a tauntaun sleeping bag. <laughs> oh, I should have done it. The hosts were having fun, and everyone else around me well, it looked like they were having fun, and the people running around were having fun. Just not you. And just not me. And so I didn't really complain about the panel too much, because obviously people were enjoying it. And looking at the guidebook, I think this was episode four, which means they've done it for four years, ostensibly. So people have been entertained for this in the past as well. And so I'm sure there'll be a fifth one in the future. I, I was just like, wow, I guess this is a thing that has to happen. Well, I think this was, I want to say this to is happen. sponsored in some way by ThinkGeek because they're the ones who do the Tauntaun sleeping bags. Well, I know they are apparently, I think they were shipped to GMX. And, and it might, this might have been just an excuse to, well, we've got them. What are we going to do with them? Here's an idea. And it has worked out for them. But I don't know. I, I'm not GMX. But it's certainly a thing. And I guess, you know, there there occasionally you do have to have just really goofy, silly panels. Because that's just what people want to do sometimes. And sure. I guess that's okay. I, I've learned to make peace with this idea. You so don't, you don't, don't try to pr- provide quality content on a Sunday afternoon at a convention. Well, just gonna... don't. I'm gonna Once you realize out. you're in the dead zone, you may as well just rework your panel to be about boobs or or tauntaun sleeping bags or whatever. You're, you're so, talking about goofy, silly panels, the pain train. How, that is designed to make you a stronger person. It does. <laughs> no pain. Idle pain. It's there. No pain, no gain. Exactly. Um, also, no the pain, pain the pain train, train is not. Uh, built on the concept that could be executed within five minutes, but they decided to stretch into an hour. 
But no, Dylan, I thought of that too. No, the pain train, when I when I run pain train, it is designed to educate and train you to be a better person. Hence Don't be train. these guys. Don't be these guys. Wow. There's there's some there's some videos that, that definitely have that. Don't be us. That's probably the best advice I can give anybody. Don't be us. Which is funny, considering the next panel we're about to talk about. Woo! Yes, it's us. Woo! Don't be us, kids. Oh, Dylan, was it before... But before we go on to your next panel, um, was it before, I think it was the Awesome Tabletop Games, where they were running, like, a trivia panel? Yes. Um, I can't remember what that was called. I don't remember either, but... Uh, at some point, someone made the mis- like we came in for like the last five or ten minutes of it because you know we we're getting ready for your panel, and someone someone made the mistake of informing me uh, that we could because I was sitting there uh, gesticulating wildly because somebody didn't know an answer that that to me came immediately, and they were like you know you can you can yell the answers out so you know the last five minutes was me yelling out answers some correct some incorrect but. I thought mildly funny at the time. <laughs> like, uh, somebody was talking about... Uh, there was a question asked about what was the name of the spinoff of The Vampire Diaries, to which I uh, replied, The Vampire Live Journal. But Obviously. Um, anyway, Nonfiction for Geeks. Uh, that was the other panel, and we all kind of chipped in on that one. I thought it was a good panel. Well, thank You're you. You're a lying son of a bitch. <laughs> That's also a factual statement. I, I I don't know that those statements necessarily have to be contradictory <laughs> either. Um, so, Dylan, explain a little bit uh, for the boys and girls at home the the concept behind um, nonfiction for geeks. The idea was, well, I, I think we first did this two years ago at GMX, and this is the second yep. time we've done it. Uh, the idea was... Like I had started reading over the more over the past few years, and it ended up being like a lot of nonfiction stuff. And so I was like, "Well, I'm going to do a panel about you know just talking about all these books and kind of the breadth of it." And you know, it, Charlie and I, uh, at least back then, like when we were both reading more of this sort of thing, talked a lot about it. So it was basically taking that discussion and turning it into a panel. Pretty much. Uh, so, we just talked about a lot of books that you maybe not have, may not have heard of, and uh, you should maybe read if you're into that sort of thing. And we probably had a crowd. I think we had about, we probably averaged about seven people that we didn't personally know. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will score. say, yeah, that was actually pretty. I think we well, okay, two years ago when we did, we 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 were in a much better time I, slot. So we had a much larger uh, uh, crowd, but the the crowd that was there, I mean, seemed to enjoy it. So, you know, for what it's worth. I, I was able to chew through a good bit of stri- uh, 3DS Street Passes, so I was really appreciative. <laughs> Chance to sit down and, uh, inter- you know, and get those Street Passes taken After care having of, I was really... just driven to GMX. Hey, hey, street passes are why you go to cons nowadays, man. Just just get with the times. What's a, what's a street pass and why should I give a shit? It's an amazing 3DS a function where you test <laughs> people and you get to play little <laughs> mini games 
with the street pass, you get for passing people, and it's not quite as good as Peggle. Yeah, Peggle 2 comes PS4 one day. Yeah, woo! But, <laughs> right, you're gone. Fun. I did, uh, I did hold my end of the bargain, and I did, uh, tweet that out to you, Basil, and I saw that scroll across, and I'm like, oh, there's a Peggle 2 story, I guess, and they tweet that out. <laughs> oh, you guys, oh, no, no, no. You guys are your fucking casual games. Y'all did, uh, yeah, hold on, we're gonna play some Candy Crush right now. No. You gotta play some uh, Hearthstone, and some Candy Crush, and some Puzzles no, and no, Dragons, no, which no, is... No, 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 no. I do have standards, no Candy Crush. Puzzles and Dragons has ravaged my uh, fighting game community locally. So that's all they fucking talk about. I'm like, come on, guys. Did you say Puzzles and Dragons? Yeah, that's right. What? It is. It is one of the most popular games in Japan right now. It is. It is a play. To, it is a pay to win game. That is much like Candy Crush. Designed at the outset, you don't think you're going to play to win or pay to win. It's play to win, but no, 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 no. You got to pay. You always got to pay. <laughs> Yeah, I ain't paying nobody shit for shit, so... But no, y'all guys ran a good panel. Aww, I heard thank of you. A, a several good books that I probably should read. Never will. <laughs> but I knew that if I read them, I would get something nice and awesome out of it, and I would probably really should, because I would be a better person after reading, reading several of those books. <laughs> oh. But I'll never be that better person. Because I'm a lazy jerk. There That's is the that. best worst compliment I've ever gotten. It is. It's, worst, it was. I don't know. It was very heartfelt. The I feel. I feel like like we have burdened you by giving you this thing <laughs> that you don't want to. This geos, if you will. How do yes. I, how do I? How do I pull this apart? Well, it's a, all right. What's going to happen is one day, I'm going to finally either unearth my existing Kindle or get a Kindle Paperwhite. And I'm going to need to read things on it. And eventually, I'm going to buy some of those books on Kindle. If, if, if only Amazon had a Kindle app that worked on other devices that weren't Kindles. Oh, wait. Oh, they I have hate that. trying to use those stupid things on my phone or tablet. The freaking bright-ass screen. I'm just trying to read a book. Ugh. I, I, you know what? You can adjust the brightness on the phone or tablet. But then it's not bright enough. Well, you know what? That's <laughs> your fucking problem. <laughs> Fucking Goldilocks with fucking <laughs> brightness over here. Am I right? Hey, Holy shit! I, uh, these are fluorescent lights. Fuck that! I need you know incandescent. I, there's no fucking way I can read in here. Hey, incandescent this... have a much warmer feel. It's true, they do. I mean, I, I buy them. Well, I just I, buy I... a fucking book then, because that's heavy. And I don't <laughs> want the lightness. <laughs> I mean, God, good God Almighty. <laughs> A lot of those books are kind of thick. I don't know. I think I'd rather just have them on a top. My, uh, I'm about to go on one. I'm about to go on a Pat Sajak rant here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the 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 video that I tweeted out of. Uh, I did. You know what? Actually, my thought was when he was ranting about the movies and shit, and and this will date me, but I was like, I remember you that about? you're in the squeeze with Michael Keaton. You have a movie, <laughs> so that might date me, but. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, Pat Sajak was on Dan Lebitard's radio show some time ago. I don't remember when this was. But uh, Dan Lebitard asked a question to which Pat Sajak gave the most amazing response ever because I know it had something to do with Van and White, and he just lost his shit. You know, and it was in a very funny way, but it was like, 
You know, I do everything for that show. I have to know the rules. I have to interview the housewife from Wisconsin. I have to ask her about her cat. And yeah, it's like, oh, you have a dog named Sparky? That's that's really something. And uh, it's like, she just, you know, she just touches the letters. They don't even, you know, they, they used to turn, and they light up for her. So she used to have to turn them, but no, that was too much work for the princess. <laughs> He's like she, she has a fucking yarn company. <laughs> He's like I had a talk show. She has a yarn company. Do you know what's like playing second fiddle to a yarn salesman? <laughs> she was in a movie. I go to movies. It's the best. It, I, um, again, still, but Pat still Sajak, excellent role. The squeeze with Michael Keaton. It's a it's a lost gem. Check it out. Um, if, if I ever got anything that good on any of these interviews, I would fucking retire. I would jump off a bridge. I'd be like, <laughs> done, out on top, see ya fuckers. <laughs> so, um, so, Mike, did you go to anything, did you go to the, you did talk a little bit about, about the Robert Shaw Q&A, didn't you? Yeah, I went to the Q&A and, and just kind of recapped, and I asked some more specific, since there wasn't a lot of people there, um... I went ahead and, and asked some more. Um, I didn't feel bad like saying, okay, I'm designing video games. So I'm asking this in that context of trying to apply it to video game uh, and did some more specific conversation with him like that. He's a really great guy. Um, I, would, I would definitely, I'm looking forward to checking out your interview. Um, I don't think I went to anything else. Oh, I did go into a making people care about your world panel and I, I, my fault i didn't really um pay attention to the description <laughs> so um that was on me and 100 on me um but i thought this was going to be something about like writing fiction and then like kind of marketing it out there or you know getting people to care about your made-up fiction world or something like that and no, it was just about being a DM and dealing with assholes um, the entire time. So it's called being a DM. Yeah, and they were nothing but stories of them, of this one time this guy did. And then, oh my god, this one time it was so funny, and he said that, and I said this. And it's like, I played D&D. I've been there. I get that. It was funny when it happened. But look, if you weren't there, you can't set up and make that story funny ever again. Um, so that was really bad, but I sat too close to the front to walk out. Um, and then realized, two. realized that the two women running the panel, one was an older woman, uh, let's say 50, 55, maybe, uh, the other really cute. I and, hope you're right at this point. Really cute and dressed, uh, in some anime, I should have known costume, whatever her, her chest was pushed out front. So I thought not too bad, but then I realized they were mother and daughter, <laughs> and nothing kills like being a creepy, leering old man of like knowing like mom's right there. So not only do I have to not catch the target's eyes, but also not her mom's eyes. So just bad panel overall. Target. Probably, probably <laughs> on me. Target. My bad. Probably the my fault. Target. Playing too much Hearthstone, he considers everything to be a target now. Mm -hmm. Use the word a target. I'm a target, you're a target, he's a target, she's a target. Wouldn't you like to be a target, too? Be a target. <laughs> I've been known to be a pretty big target in my time. If you know what I'm saying. 
Um, yeah, we we Last wanted to go to too. the Q and A, but I'll be honest. Sundays, you know, around four o'clock, you haven't eaten since like nine in the morning, and you're kind of like, you know, what sounds good? Golden Corral. Too bad the fucking Golden Corral was closed down because of some problem with the lease. Yeah. Pay your fucking bills, <laughs> assholes. You got me high for Golden like Corral a good too. Golden Corral. That sounds like a nice, authentic Golden Corral. I was, I was at first when he said Golden Corral. I was like, I don't know, but then, then John sold. He hyped it. He had it like he was at a <laughs> fight game tournament. Here's, like, I was, I was ready to Golden fucking Corral. Here's the thing. Uh, primarily, the reason I was hyping it up was because uh, Charlie's girlfriend is a vegetarian, and I just wanted to eat all the meat in front of her. Like, all of the meat. Past wow. the point of being hungry. Like, Roman vomitorium, eat all the meat. And be oh, like, no. doesn't this look delicious? Yum. I'm going to go poop Duke and come back and get some more. <laughs> That's how good this meat is. I I love that we, we ended the talk of panels with, like, poop better Duke. people. And then, like, it's been straight down ever since. Yep. Can I nominate poop Duke for the uh, show title? Uh, the MX review. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, uh, so, GMX. Uh, it's a convention. I, plus, plus, plus would attend again. I had an amazing time. Yeah, I don't know what you're going yeah, to Yeah, not, 9 out of 10 would attend. Well, actually, I... I really did enjoy it. It is it is a really I would I would go to it over Dragon Con pretty much any day. Yes. Well, and we've actually had that like Amen. I typically go with is is you know, after last year at Dragon Con was like, man, this is getting too huge. It's you know, it's really hard to get around. So, yeah, I'm kind of leaning on things like GMX to, you know, fill that spot that, you know, if I'm not going to Dragon Con next year. And yeah. and to be honest, that's kind of why, like, some of these issues we've we brought up, like, I really hope they do uh, improve on them. And, and they did improve this year given that, you know, we had paper schedules, and I think last year that was our biggest gripe. Yeah. yeah. I have that's, I have hopes for that. And that's, that's the, the, I mean, that's the, the consistent praise I have for the people that do run GMX and MTAC both. Is that they, in my experience, they always put forth effort. If there's a problem, they may not be able to. They may not not fix it the first time around, but they're but they're gonna try. And yeah, that's. I think that's really where a lot of the criticism for us is coming from. Is that we we enjoy JMX, we love the people that run it, and we want to succeed. So yeah, and I will I will say, just as JMX in general. Is that one of my biggest issues going to Dragon Con myself, and I've had it a couple other non, you know, anime cons. Is that I am primarily an anime fan. I'm a primarily anime and manga fan, and mostly Japanese video games fan. And when I went to Dragon Con and a couple other, you know, science fiction cons, I, I felt like I was like persona non grata. Like you paid your, you, you, you're in here, so whatever, but really don't want you here. Mm. And the only two not anime cons I've ever felt welcome, even though I was an anime fan, was Momocon, which is pretty much an anime con. Yeah. And Mostly. GMX. <laughs> yeah. Which well look, when you when you call which yourself is basically selling itself to anime fans because it's anime and gaming con. They're building so. off of it, impact. Look look Momocon when you use the Japanese word for peach. 
con. You're, you're not anime con, but you're an anime con. Whereas yeah. GMX is, I think it is because they spun out of an anime con. It, it still has a very welcoming vibe, which I don't get at a lot of not anime cons. I think it also helps that GMX is like the one time of year where I feel like a big shot because I know everybody at the convention. Like I can't go from one place to the next without seeing like four people I know and saying, hey. It is kind of cool. And I guess because it's smaller and because it's a little it's a little more laid back for, for a lot of the people I think that are running it as well. So you actually get to talk to some people. Um, and then the people that run a lot of the conventions that you know show up there to do promo work for their conventions. So you get to hang out with them too. It's... And and on top of that, just the premise and its size, it's kind of the perfect con for us as far as doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like in terms of interviews, panels, that sort of thing. Like it sort of fits on all the stuff we do here. So, uh, and, and it's small enough to where they still welcome us. And it's like, oh, you don't have 10,000 listeners? Well, fuck off. That's, so we're, we're that's appreciative not, of, of that's that. That's not directed at anyone. No! no. No, not 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 any panels that we've you know covered for years and conspicuously didn't you know do a lot of coverage for this year. Mm, No, now watch watch M Tech next year. Go, guys. I I don't know. Uh, Listen, the 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 uh, the silver lining to that is I at least have the ear of people that work at M Tech. I could probably be like, come on, guys, really, you're gonna do that to us. And they might do it anyway, but you know, at, yeah. le- at least then I know that the person on the other end will actually hear me. That's only because Nico hates me and, and is screwing over all of us. Yeah, thanks for that, Charlie. He knows I would beat him in a way, fight. Whatever, way whatever. To, way to fuck with the Shadow Emperor. You know, uh, I'm making him a stronger person. I I am constantly at his heels for a reason. Yeah, I, I'm you know, trying to improve him. You know, they thought they were doing... the. Damn it. I can't make this joke because nobody's following this fucking story. It's going to make a fucking Jonathan Martin, uh, Richie Incognito, you know, joke, but nobody. Make it. Who, who make the fuck it. are those guys? What, what are you talking about, John? It's, what? Make it. Anyway, that? that's, that's, that's what the Miami Dolphins thought that they were doing to, uh, you know, Jonathan Martin when they sent, uh, Richie Incognito to, you know, go make him, uh, Pay for Vegas trips and sending is him his races. His last name actually incognito. It is. It is. Are we sure this isn't like Carlos Danger or Enrique Trouble? <laughs> it could be because he's a colossal douchebag. If you'd like to, uh, you know, go Google this guy and see some of the shit he's done. Okay, let's be honest. Nobody with the last name of incognito is going to be a good person. <laughs> you, you are, you are contractually required by God to be an asshole. <laughs> Upon yeah, the no. day you were given the name incognito. <laughs> My name is Richard Incognito the Third. Like really, really, your name is your name is Dick Incognito. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're a douchebag, sir, aren't you? <laughs> Why yes? <laughs> Thank you for noticing. They, yeah. There certainly wouldn't be a TMZ video of me uh, shouting the N word at bull club <laughs> or at a bar. <laughs> that certainly wouldn't happen. That. That, that is a name that tells you everything you need to know about it, the person. If anyone listening is actually following the Jonathan Martin story, and, uh, you know, there's this whole angle of 
uh, incognito being considered, quote, an honorary black guy and that therefore gave him use to use uh, certain racial slurs in the group. Uh, I direct everyone to go check out that episode of The Boondocks where uh, Riley gets one of his teachers in trouble for using the N-word because Riley used it so much that it just seeped into his subconscious and he said it. Wow. There, like there, there it's, there's some very excellent nuanced uh you know discussions that come up in that episode in addition to it being really fucking funny anyway all hearts and minds clear about GMX cause god bless you if you've been listening for this long did, did Mike give his uh his uh final thoughts uh, do we no, have someone to sandwich him come on um, come on spring well, well I, no, 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 I don't. Yeah. No, I mean, I've I've already said any negative thing. The, the good thing about GMX uh, is what I said at the top of the show. Um, it's a smaller local con, and it's it's run in such a way that I feel fine. You know, like this being the convention that I we mark on the calendar each year, and I take the uh, take my two older daughters to, and and ignore them my for, th- yeah. for three straight days. Well, whatever you do up to four thirty a.m. at GMX is fine. You know, it's, it's probably fine. It's probably. Okay. It's I'm probably. Going fine. Back, I'm going back You're to just, sleep. I'm playing. Oh, there, what, are you doing? There's, what are you doing, girl? Well, I'm playing. Uh, I'm playing games with some dudes that I found. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. Mike, I literally but, saw but one of D and D dudes. Like they wouldn't know what to do with a real woman if they had the opportunity. So it's fine. Mike, so, I so, literally saw in the hallway. I literally <laughs> saw in the hallway one of your daughters walking by herself with a dude <laughs> in a lab coat talking to her that I know none of us knew. Yep. <laughs> Nothing bad sure could possibly have happened. Oh, I thought you were going with the point where she was arguing at her sister, take my business card. That, that was the other thing. Like, Liz and I got off the elevator. We see Rachel and Hannah. Rachel is saying to Hannah, take my business card. And Liz and I give each other this look, and I, and, and they're already gone. Like, I can't ask any questions. So I go, what the fuck kind of business are they running at GMX while Mike isn't paying attention? It's like, they, you know, they're either running drugs or they've, you know, talked the hotel into stocking some sort of product in all the rooms. But either case, they're probably wildly successful. What's going to happen is one year I'm going to walk down because it's going to be like 2 a.m. on Saturday night trying to figure out where they're at. And they're behind the bar doing the cocktail dance, you know, for tips and selling yeah. alcohol. And you know what? I'm going to be like. They're making a lot of good money. All right, this is this is fine. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna think it's all perfectly fine. My word are, are, is, are uh, these your children? I've never seen them before, officer. Yeah, but I do get a cut. And you know what? Your kids will be savvy enough not to say anything to sell you out. Oh yeah, by that point. <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're gonna be the ones in college everybody learns off of. That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's not a good thing. <laughs> I know you think it's a good thing, <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> so the actually my experience has been always the opposite like if 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 she was raised very strict when she gets to college the hell look out and then if it was more of a relaxed household like by college that yeah whatever this isn't really like crazy new edgy you know anything so that's that's my justification right there officer <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor. So here's the real question: Is do you let her play Call of Duty and Grand Theft Auto? Um, I think would not have any interest in that. Um, but I mean, I've not blocked them from a game based on content. Because let's be honest, 
mature content in those games mean boobs. And they know what those look like, right? I'm not sheltering them from what boobs look like. Um, so, yeah, they can play Dragon Age. Um, although none of them ever gotten far enough in Dragon Age or Skyrim to really unlock um, any of the... Yeah, the boobs. And it's like... You have to unlock you boobs? You don't in Skyrim. You, oh, you don't? So Dragon you, Age... You get married, but uh, it's it's just about, you know, like... Moving Getting into a, a nice house together and 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 growing old, doing dishes. Honestly, it literally is the perfect villain game. Honestly, they love playing that um, Japan, Japanese dance rhythm game that's on PlayStation. Um, crap, with the uh, it's not actually it's it's just a rhythm game. Is it's it not, the uh, Vocaloid game? Yeah, yeah, the Vocaloid game. And to be honest, I mean that's one that's like technically perfectly okay for them. And there's far more worse panty shots and shit in that than anything in Grand Theft Auto. So. Yeah, I mean, but their level so, oh, wait, that makes it worse. Never mind. Yeah, it's, it's all <laughs> relative. It's like, look, we were in Japan. They could buy panties out of vending machines. So who am I to judge? Like, where where are we at on this? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you played Moe Makery. You, you, you can't say anything at this point. Makery is a you. damn fine game. <laughs> It is. Take take all the all the Moe girls out of it. Fine. It's still a fun puzzle game. The irony is that they they yell at me when I swear. If I if I swear around them, like, Dad, you're not supposed to say that. I love that. <laughs> yes, they're they're, they're the responsible ones. Congratulations, what? Mike. You yeah, flipped yeah, the, the script. I'm doing the same thing to them that my parents did to me. My parents. I basically became Michael Keaton, right? Like, had my Reagan, like, we had his Nixon, I had my little Reagan thing, watched Rush Limbaugh, because my parents were two left-wing hippies. And you cannot rebel in that household except by becoming a right-wing Christian. That's like, the only super way to establishment. Congratulations. Yeah. That's the only way you can rebel in that. And so that's what I did in, in my last couple of years, because you have to rebel at some point. And then, of course, you get away from that, and like, man, that was fucking stupid. Um... Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I'd rather have them rebel by becoming Republican, you know, uh, which means I'll get right along with everybody in East Tennessee. Um, They'll fit in really well, have a lot of friends. Yep, I'm sure they will. And on that note. So, all hearts and minds clear? I hope so. Okay, well, shout-outs to everybody from GMX. Uh, we really do appreciate all of your hard work. I, I know it love sounds like all. we don't. We really do love you. Well, no, we'll Mike, there does. Next the rest year. of us do. Yeah, um... Guys, stay tuned. Uh, we will have those interviews coming up next week, and we'll also have our uh, recap of Anime Blast Chattanooga. I don't know that Mike's going to go to that, so we might have more positive things to say. I don't know. <laughs> um, but everybody, we appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and we will catch you next week. Ugh, that was a thing. And now stay tuned for 30 seconds of static. By the way, um, Twitter, especially mobile, needs to not just like throw in random tweets from people I don't care about because uh, <laughs> I got 
one of those promoted things promoted by American Express from Glee, which I don't give two shits about, but the tweet <laughs> said, wait, Lima doesn't have a zoo, but it does have a lion. Say it again via hashtag Glee Replay. And, of course, because I just see this on my phone, I'm like, is it Jonathan Colton's lion? Are you sure you have permission to use it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Glee don't care. Of course they don't. But, you know what? It's it's fine. If you're going to put these things in front of me, Twitter, this is this is what you're going to get. 